<laughs> well, that was sure encouraging. Amen. Wow. <laughs> Miracle grow. <laughs> I've just been watching you guys grow. <laughs> Amen. Y'all doing good? How about if we take a minute or two and just love Jesus? Would you open your heart and just thank him? He's good. Just get personal right now. Just thank Jesus. He's good. Thank him that he loves you that he paid the price for you to redeem you, that Father loves you, that you have boldness to enter the holiest place, amen? Just enter in right now, just take time, get personal, just thank you for your love for me. Lord, I thank you, I completely qualify. I'm totally in, I'm not out, I'm accepted, I'm not rejected. Thank you for making me your child. Not just forgiving me, but, but, but allowing me to be your son or your daughter. Just thank you that I'm home that I'm where I've always been called to be <laughs> and created to be. Continue to give me revelation. You can ask him that as you're loving him and receiving. You begin to continue to open my heart. I want more and more of you. I just want to manifest your glory. I just want to reveal who you are through my life as I see who you are to my life. And I just thank you for your goodness and your grace in my life. Thanks, God. Appreciate you being my father. You know, just, just, just opening up like that is a real simple and wonderful thing. Get real used to just developing relationship like that and opening your heart often. Amen? So, Father, we just pray right now and thank you for this class. We just thank you for every ounce of grace on the teaching today, on the revelation of the word that's illuminating our hearts. Thanks for Miracle Grow. Amen? Amen. Miracle Grow. Amen. Let me read this question quick. We'll kick off this. This is a good question. Man, I like some of these questions. Uh, it's, it's from Natalie. It says, I keep hearing how it's not just saying a prayer or getting your name in a book, but what do you say to people then? Do you say a prayer? Question mark. I don't see that in the Bible. The apostles taught repent, be baptized. So why do we repeat a prayer? It's freaking me out a little because I'm not sure what to say to people. <laughs> don't freak out, Natalie. <laughs> for, for me, I said a prayer in 03. But that was almost only four months ago when my heart finally gave up and let go. Yeah, that's... It's good. It's not that saying the prayer was wrong. See, saying the prayer in 03, it's not wrong to say a prayer. The key is that you don't want to imply that the only thing a person's doing is getting into heaven. That's why, that's why she's had this experience. So in 03, she said a prayer, but her goal was to get her name in a book, to go to heaven. So it was only four months ago. Listen, four months ago when my heart finally gave up and let go, and I was ready to be baptized because I ran into one of your sermons <laughs> that you did on it. And my life is finally changing and I get so excited to get up in the morning because of the teaching in this class. And in short, I don't know how to approach people when it's not a simple prayer that changes you. A sinner's prayer, which we came up with, isn't that excellent? Yeah. A sinner's prayer that we came up with about 100 years ago or so in the country, it's not that it's a bad idea and it's not wrong to get somebody and lead them in a prayer. It's that you give them understanding of what they're doing. You're responsible for giving them understanding on what they're doing. They're not praying a prayer to get into heaven. They're giving their life back to God. They're, they're dying to the old and living to the new. The reason water baptism got so slipped away in the body of Christ and in churches, and the reason you can just pray this prayer and never even think about being water baptized because we've taken out the part of dying to yourself, picking up your cross and following Jesus. So you pray a prayer to go to heaven and you think, well, yay, now my name's in a book, but you have the same mentality, same emotional makeup, same perspectives, 
same mindsets, same issues and struggles, but at least I'm going to heaven now. That's kind of what we've reduced it to. Does this make sense? Yes. So you want to be very careful how you present the gospel to people. So you're not, your goal is not to get them to just pray that prayer, to understand who they were created to be. When I get to talk to people, I talk to people about who they were created to be, and I bring up selfishness and how easily we're hurt and offended and jealous and proud. And people are like, well, yeah. And then I get to explain that and talk to them who were never created that way, that Jesus came and modeled a life that we were created to live. That he's the firstborn among many brethren and he said, follow me. So when I look to Jesus, I see my created value. I see my destiny wrapped up in his life lived. Does this make sense? I find out who I was really created to be in the first place. And then all this other stuff I find is irrelevant. It's not who I really am. It's who I became through the fall. It's what the world taught me. So I put that away. I put that off and I put on him. So don't struggle, Natalie, talking with people or anybody here. And don't feel like you can't get them to pray a prayer. Praying a prayer at a specific point can be a strong contact point of faith for a person. But you're not praying a prayer just to go to heaven. You're giving your life back. And I like to do the, that, that whole thing a lot of times right in the process of water baptism. Pe when the, people understand they get into water baptismal, and you know what happens a lot of times? They get in there and they get overwhelmed and emotions, and they begin to cry and they say, I just want to die. I just want to give my life. I, just want I was just down in Tennessee. 13 people just spontaneously got water baptized and drove home wet. <laughs> Had no clothes to change in. In America, when you get baptized and drive home wet, God has to be moving. If you're going through any sense of inconvenience, there's a move of God in this country. <laughs> God being real. These people were just these guys, full-grown men. They'd climb up and get in this horse trough. And, and we just did one baptism. We had planned to do this baptism. This young man had come to other service that I was at in Mississippi, and he, didn't, he wasn't hooking up. He was like, whatever. And, and this young teenage guy, and well, yeah, upper teens, and uh, it might be closer to 20. And, uh, and that parents, you know, they, they want their son to hear. Hey, come listen to this guy. They're all excited. And he's just, so he leaves early with mom. But in the process of leaving early with mom, sometime in between, the Spirit of God hits him. He's just out and broken. Doesn't want his life anymore. Isn't that cool? At face value, you think he's hard, hard, and hurt. No seeds are going into him. He's in the right place at the right time. It doesn't matter if it doesn't look like he's ready. The Spirit of God is speaking to him. So somewhere along the way, he gets smote and he's broken. So they pack up and come to Tennessee because they want to share that. He wants to hug me. And he asked me to baptize him. And he's like this at the other place. That's fun. Yes. See, you don't get your eyes on that stuff. You just know you love people and you preach the truth in love. Yeah. And let Holy Spirit do the work, right? So, so we baptized him, and then it just triggered all this. Uh, then I just started kind of sharing some stuff, and, you know, and there was some conviction came in the room, and next thing you know, we got 13 people passing through, and they totally have nothing to change into. Yeah. I love that. I think that's great, because they're ready. They're not saying, well, you know, let me, and, you know, and in this country especially, we got to set a date, and fly in our relatives, and bring the video, and capture the moment, and make a photo album. We do. Forget just God is raking my heart. I need to die. Forget who sees it, knows it, but God knows it, and you'll know it. <laughs> I like that. 
<laughs> oh, we didn't catch it. Yeah, we caught it. But this is, a couple of these men get up in the, in the horse trough and, and I'm like, what's what got you in this tank, man? What are you doing right now? Why are you up here? They break down. One guy, I'm tired of not loving my wife. Like Christ loves the church, having anger and frustration in my heart, coming to church and going through the motions. I'm tired. I just want to be real. I want to give it all up to God. I'm saying, God, I'm yours. I'm putting it down. I'm putting this old man down. I'm like, <laughs> I couldn't take it anymore. I just grabbed him and I jumped him under the hell. <laughs> and the bubbles were. <laughs> as soon as they stopped, we made sure they were stopped for about 30 seconds. <laughs> I think we're ready to bring him up. <gasps> New man. <laughs> it's just so fun. But see, we're, our goal is not to get our name in a book to go to heaven. The goal is transformation of life. It's born again. Born again. And that's where we kind of took a bend in the road when we made it all about going to heaven. Hey, if you, don't, if you die tonight and you don't know where you're going, just raise your hand right now and let me know. And we're going to pray. We're going to fix that. And then we confess Jesus as Lord. And that's all we do is give people an idea that, hey, I'm covered. I got insurance. If this thing wraps up, at least I prayed this prayer. No, it's transformation of life. It's putting off the old, putting on the... Let me just show that to you real quick, but we're going to get into this somewhere down the road. And it'll be a little dangerous going here. Just a little. But I want you to see where I get this stuff because it's all through the Bible for one. But, but in Colossians chapter 3, it talks about being raised with Christ and putting off the members of your flesh. That has to do with them. And that's, that's, we're going to teach that out actually. I'm going to wrap up something in Romans 6 today. I really am. And uh, man, wasn't that... I, I, got, I got lit up yesterday in Romans 6. I was, I've read Romans 6 uh, probably, I don't know. Hundreds of times. I don't know how to put a number on how many times I've read Romans 6. A couple. Let's just say a few. And I just had fun in Romans 6. I feel like I want to go back there. Because it's fresh. It's alive, man. I mean, we, we, we saw in... I'm in Colossians 3 right now. We, we saw in Hebrews that we have boldness to enter the holiest place. Why? Because through one sacrifice, we were perfected forever. <laughs> you, you are that's amazing <laughs> isn't that awesome <laughs> I am complete in his sight he has measured me up to approach him now whose idea was that so he must want me in his presence so the days of guilt condemnation and, and struggle and self consciousness and shame should be just obliterated completely through this it's like why can't I face him are you kidding self consciousness are you kidding Come on, I get in him and I see more who, see that's the trap, self-consciousness keeps you from ever going into that place of transformation. Self-consciousness is the flesh lie that keeps you from ever taking the step into his presence to be made more like him. And now you have some reason, some natural reason that justifies you from going in to intimacy with the Lord with an unveiled face so you stay covered. Afraid of the light, are you kidding? You're created for the light. So jump in and shine. Amen? Okay. And because we're going back to Romans 6 to finish something up there, but the chapter actually, but which will take all class, I'm sure. I'm, I'm actually a little nervous going here right now because this is so chock full of everything. 
But this is in light of Natalie's comment, because her question, who, who heard her question's awesome? Natalie, that's an excellent question. So don't freak out. It's, it's, you're, you're explaining to people the full gospel, the reason he came and rose again. And that's what they did in the book of Acts. And they would share this truth in the book of Acts and people get cut to the heart and say, what must we do to be saved? We've turned it into plowing to get people to pray our prayer. People just, they, in the book of Acts, Paul would just share and people believe. The jailer would just see the demonstration of Paul's life and say, I need, I need this Jesus. We've turned it into try to getting all of society to repeat our prayer. It's, it is, you can't even find it in the book of Acts. You see Philip on a, on a chariot with the eunuch and, and the eunuch says, who's this man talking about? The prophet is talking about himself or another man? And it says, from this scripture, Philip jumped in and preached unto him Jesus. The very next line says, and coming to some water, the eunuch said, look, water, what keeps me from being baptized? That means he didn't preach Jesus without transformation of life. Water baptism, old man dead, new man alive. The very next sentence, it says, and from this scripture, he preached unto him Jesus, period, and coming to some water. It's in Acts 8. You can check it out and see I'm telling the truth. I read the book. And coming to some water, that means he didn't preach Jesus without giving up the old to put on the new. In Christianity, you can't even live until you die. Right? So there's a dying to live. If we don't share that with people and show them this thing that we think is living, it's like the living dead. It's, it's it, you know, you live to yourself. The way that seems right to man produces what? death so we got to get that off of one another off of people to get life to come so we want to put so we denying the old and, and, and putting off the old and putting on new. we just saw that in Romans 6 right the, yesterday the old man is crucified well you're not teaching people that if you're just praying a prayer to go to heaven now look I don't know about you but I'm not trying to get numbers and get everybody in the world to pray that prayer so Jesus can come back we want the transformation of life and love to overtake the earth Right? See, we got the picture. If we can get everybody to pray that prayer, well, it's the gospel of the kingdom that needs to be preached everywhere. The gospel of the kingdom. That means that his kingdom's come and his will's being done, that, that you're created to be sons and daughters, that there's a restoration and renewal of life through Jesus Christ. That, you get it? It's the gospel of the kingdom. That's different than just trying to get the whole world to pray a certain prayer. And if we can cover everybody with media and TV and missions, man, maybe God will blow the trumpet and Jesus will come. That's what we say. That sounds, that sounds right, but there's no transformation of life most of the time. So he's going to come and we're just, we just prayed a prayer and we had the same frustration, same anger, same unforgiveness, same bitterness, same insecurity, same identity crisis. <coughs> That's not what I see here. I'm going to read it to you. If you have a comment or question, that's fine. A real quick question. Sure. Um, the kingdom is within. When Jesus said that to his disciples, and you're talking about the kingdom, can you, ex can you explain that? Can you explain yeah, it's the gospel of the kingdom. It's the way God works. It's the way God functions and flows. It's life in God. So the kingdom's within you. So you're created and designed to manifest the kingdom. 
So if I'm just waiting to go to heaven, and that's all I understand and know, and nobody's taught me that I'm created to be a son, then even though the kingdom's in me, guess what I'm manifesting? The fall of man. The wisdom of man. The same old, okay, now I'm going to get real straight with y'all, and I need you to be humble. Who's been a Christian and knew you were a Christian and, had, and knew you needed a Savior? And I'm not even saying up to right now, but for a long time, lived with the same fears, frustrations, angers, mindsets, emotional patterns, and everything in your life. And yet you knew that you needed a Savior and Jesus was Lord. Now look at the room. That's what I'm talking about. Now watch. Now I'm not, being, I'm not comparing and I'm not being proud. I'm honestly honored to be here in this position but I couldn't raise my hand on that question. How about that? See, I'm ready to cry, because that's a privilege. Because in 95, something changed. Now before that, I would have told you I was a Christian from age, as long as I can remember back to I was 33, I'd have told you I was a Christian. And I could have told you why. Because Jesus died on the cross for the remission of my sins. I could have told you that. And I was a total, utter mess. But when I got 33 and got born again and understood what I'm teaching, I can't even relate to fear, guys. Anxiety, worry, I can't even relate to it. That's not my fault. It's not because I'm a great believer. It's because of what I see. And I've found if my eye is single, my whole body's flooded with light. Come on. Now it's very risky teaching like this because it sounds like I'm exalting myself or comparing myself to people. No, I'm taking the revelation, the experience, the truth of the last 16 years of my life that I know I've lived. And I'm saying, wow, there's a whole lot more. You follow me? See, but how many of us even believe there can be change? How many of us have sold so short that we believe the way we are is the way we are and thank God He loves us? Come on. Who's embraced that for years? Hey, the way we are is the way we are, but thank God He considers us. And then there's no faith to receive grace for change. You follow me? You're going to see this in, in Colossians. This is main. Do you have a comment or a question? Let me just have the mic up here just for the technical reasons. <laughs> you techie guys are amazing. <laughs> I tell them they're amazing, but don't lay hands on me. That's what I tell <laughs> I might want a cell phone. <laughs> lay hands on me I might want a computer no just go ahead just speak Anthony you know it, it's amazing because I knew that there was more than what I was being taught yeah. I really did down in your down in your I spirit because Nancy. there were so many things that seemed wrong that weren't lining up with what was in who's ever spirit? had that gnawing feeling that there's got to be more yes. there's got to be see that's the spirit of God that's the kingdom within he's down on the inside spirit of God's inside and all that he is 
is encompassed in Holy Spirit, all that God is. And that's a good definition of the kingdom inside. So if Holy Spirit's in us, and like, you know, what's my gift? What do you mean, what's my gift? The Spirit of God's in me. So all that he is is in me. So the capacity of the kingdom of God and all that he is is inside of me. <laughs> right? So I'm growing in what that means. That's, that's what we're doing, right? But when that's not happening, like Anthony said, we, we have this deep sense of there's got to be Right? Go ahead. And then um, I grew up in a denominational church, and there was good teaching there, and it gave me a good foundation. Although when I hit about 20 years old, I said, God, if there isn't anything else, I'm finished. About three weeks later, he baptized me and filled me in the Holy Spirit. And then it changed from there on. Right. And you were like feeling like, man, what am I holding on to? So there's a feeling of, it's not, it's not like the, of, of a sinful frustration. It's a, it's a, it's a frustration of, man, what, what am I doing? If this is all, uh, and you're kind of crying out your heart to God. It's amazing how God responds to that, answers that, shows mercy to that. You know what I mean? It's not like he's a quitter or he's like, God, there has to be more. It's just a heart cry. If the kingdom of God is within us, why is it so latent? <laughs> Latent. Nobody knows what that means, and uh, I don't even know if I do. <laughs> asleep, maybe? Because of a lack of understanding. It's, it's the Spirit of God. He's not here to control your life. He's here. He's, he works with us. He flows with us. We live by faith. My people are destroyed for a... He says, awake and arise, you who sleep in Christ. There's, there's some understanding that's been put to sleep a long time ago. And I believe we've believed a lot of subtleties that have been interjected. And I believe, I, I, I believe that a lot of our teaching is laced with a strategy of deception. Without willful intention on behalf of the teachers. You're just passing on what you've been taught. Just, it's ignorance. It's, it's, it's unknowing. We're passing on. So, so it seems like all this great powers on the inside of us and, and this great identity and the way God views us has never changed. But you have to receive that view to receive the blessing of that view, right? Come on. God can see you righteous. He can sit and look at you and say, you are so precious to me. But until you realize you're precious to him, you won't walk in the fruit of that. But it's still totally, completely true from his angle. Do you get it? That's exactly why. So it's either unbelief, continued extreme self-consciousness, yell but, talking around truth, trying to come up with an exception for truth because of flesh realities. The list could be huge. Why? But here's the good news. God hasn't changed. Jesus died and rose again, and the Spirit of God is here, and truth is on the earth. Come on, God hasn't changed. Okay, I'm feeling happy now. I was, but now I am, however that works. Thanks, God. And that is why, that's on the wall over there. God gives us his personal challenge. That's, Matthew that's 6, 33. So we're seeking the kingdom of God. So the way God thinks, the way God works, the way God functions, the way it is in the realm of God. We're seeking the mindset of God, right? The heart of God. That all flows through the heart of God. And his righteousness, the way he looks at earth, his nature, his character. I'm seeking him to know him that I might know him, right? 
That's my journey. That's my goal as a Christian. Does this make sense? How you doing, buddy? Didn't see you. Watch this. Colossians 3. Therefore, put to death. Well, I'm just going to back up. One. I can't believe I'm in this chapter. This chapter, this is scary. Yeah. Since you were raised with Christ. Since you were raised with Christ. Colossians 3 verse 1. Okay, this is good. This will be good because of your comment on what is the kingdom and it's inside of us, okay? So this is a good answer to your question too, just scripturally. Since you've been raised with Christ. This is Paul talking to you. He's saying, since you've been saved, girl, seek the things that are above and not the things on the earth. Now, how many of us proclaim spiritual through just a simple confession, hey, Jesus loves me, he's Lord, but live through the eye of flesh? Well, that needs obliterated. That, that, that can't be, and I'm not demeaning her comment, she said, sure, that can't be a simple sure. That has to be a, you're kidding me, no way. Why would I? Because now I've become spirit. Why would I live by the flesh? To live by the, the flesh is death. To live by the spirit is life and peace. My single, my whole body flooded with light. The eyes, the lamp of your body. You get this? Now watch. See, this, this is not here to sound rosy. This is here for transformation. And Jesus wrote this stuff by the Spirit. I mean, this is amazing. Watch this. It, since you were raised, it says if, if then you were raised. He's not questioning your salvation. The word if in there means, simply means since. Since you were raised with Christ. So positionally you were raised with Christ. See, some people just grab a hold of a positional theology. Well, brother, I mean, I'm on the earth and it is like hell, brother, but at least I know, at least I, well, by faith, I'm seated in Christ and seated in heaven. <laughs> ah! <laughs> That's blah. Throw that away. <laughs> it's way more than positional. If you read on, look, if you were raised with Christ, seek the things which are the way heaven thinks, right? Watch. Where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God, set your mind, so there's your place. You being a steward of your life and setting your mind. Sounds like it could be a challenge. Sounds like it could be a temptation to have your mind other places. True? Why is he telling you to set your mind there? Because there's a temptation to be in other places, (laughs) other arenas, other mindsets. Right? Set your mind on things what? Above, not on the things of the earth. Now, how often are we just driven, just driven, without even a thought, just driven by life and its happenings and people and what they're saying and not and the goings of life and the things of the earth are just (gasps) driving us. See, if we don't get a grip on thinking from above, we won't even be able to process the things going on here correctly. You understand? And we're just at the mercy of life then. Living in the name of the Lord. I don't know about you, but I don't want that. I had that (laughs) years ago. But for the last 16 years, that's changed. And I'm pumped. I tell people either I'm the most whacked and deceived man on the planet, or I'm free. It's one or the other. And I'm banking on free. We'll find out one day. But that's what I'm banking on. But it's one or the other. I'm either, either way out there and deceived and out of balance and whacked, or I'm free. And I'm just banking on free. <laughs> so watch this. 
Set your mind on the things above, not the things of the earth. Why are you going to do that? Here's the key. See, we didn't just pray a prayer to go to heaven. Because you died. You died to you and the way you were and thought and everything that encompassed you and that made up you. You died. The seed fell and died. It fell to the ground and died so it could spring up. Bear much fruit, right? If a seed doesn't die, it abides alone. It's just self-conscious, self-centered, self-preserving, self-serving. And at the end of the seed's journey, all it is is still the seed that was called to die and spring up and bear much fruit. You get this? Look, why are we going to set our mind on things above? Because we died. We died to life. We died to this life. We died to the way of life. We died. We're thinking from above. You died and your life is now hidden what? With Christ in God. Oh, and look at this. And when Christ, who is our life, appears, then you will appear with him in glory. <laughs> oh, that's so good. See, people can mock, judge, scoff. Oh, well, you got to face reality, brother. Well, nobody can live that way. Well, that ain't the way it is. Well, you got to know that deep in your heart, you got to you get real and get out of denial. And everybody goes through it. Bop, 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 You are not called to justify and defend and prove all that. You just live and be free and you manifest purity. Because when Christ appears, guess where you'll appear? <laughs> With him. And then people will go, oh, it was true. <laughs> See, that's what it means to commit yourself to him who judges righteously. Watch, therefore, because all this is true, put to death the members, your members. The members of your flesh is really what that defines out to be. Put to death your members which are on the earth, the flesh, on the earth. Fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, covetousness. It's all idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience in which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. See, what he's saying is that's not you anymore. Because you used to live in them. Now you might get tempted by them. Now a passing pleasure might drift through your mind and you go and you see it for what it really is and you call it. Yeah. You say, oh, you used to own me. But I belong to another now. You used to drive me. Yeah. But God, I thank you. You've changed me from the inside and you've raised the level of integrity and the honor of who I see myself to be. And I am way beyond that now in my spirit and in my life. Father, I thank you that you have to... That's what it means to set your mind. And you're not just letting things just drift through and eat your lunch. And just own you and drive you. Yeah. You following? Come on, this stuff's in your Bible. It's not my good idea on notes. I don't have them. All I have is a paper up here with Natalie's question on it. <laughs> but I do have this. I wonder if he's writing in here and when he's writing, he's talking to me. <laughs> wonder if I believe that when he's writing, he's talking to me. Oh, oh, oh. wonder if I don't believe it's just some men that wrote a book. wonder if I believe it's the word of God and when he's talking, he's talking to me. Let me finish this comment for a minute, Rick. Just thank you. I'll get to you. Look at this. Because he's in which you once lived and when you walked in them, you, or you lived in them. But now, verse 8, but now, but now, see something's changed. Change has come. But now, you yourselves are to put off these things, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Come on, don't lie to one another. Why don't you lie to one another? Because you've put off the old man in his deeds. 
Okay, how do I put away wrath, malice, anger, and bitterness, and, and filthy language, and not lie? How do I put that stuff off of my life without getting into works and trying to be a better person? How do I, how do I put off the old without me accomplishing it in the flesh and just getting into works and trying not to be angry? It's, it's good, it's good, you guys are all, it's total relational, it's faith and grace. It's, so watch, watch, oh, watch. <laughs> you start realizing you weren't created for any of that. The lie is finally exposed and you understand it's a lie. You are not created for anger, for wrath, for filthy language, for evil desire, for passion, for covetedness, for jealousy, for pride. You were created for God's image. You were created for God's glory. You were created as a son or a daughter. And you finally see that through the Son of God, Jesus Christ, and the accomplishment and the work. And all of a sudden, in a place of faith and prayer and communion with God, you, Father, I thank you. You made me to love. I thank you that you didn't make me to be an angry man, a jealous man, a self-serving man. That's why I'm surrendered, God. I yield myself to you. I give myself to you. And I thank you that the days of anger driving me are over. Your spirit in me, working effectually, giving me understanding, changing me from the inside out. Your grace is all over me, God to mold me and shape me for the way it was before Adam ever ate the tree. I'm in, God. I don't reserve any rights, anything for myself. As the best I know, I'm calling it all dead and I thank you for causing me to live. That's prayer. You pray in that way. You're thinking that way. You're believing that way and you're surrendering rights in prayer and when you walk into life, you will be amazed, at times amazed, how those rights aren't there. How the way you used to react, you don't react anymore. You just change. And here's the sweet thing. Somebody will say, man, you seem like you have a, a strength in your life that I haven't. Stronger than, you solid. You, that didn't even move. What are you doing, man? How did you get that way? And all of a sudden, you can't take any credit. You can't even say, well, because I've been really disciplined and feet, reading a lot and I've been fasting and I've been just, I've been doing right, brother. No, what happens to you is you, you don't even realize the change because it's supernatural, it's spiritual, it's from the inside out. But I know one thing, you know you're willing, you know you're yes. You say, I am not created for anger. Anger is unacceptable. Strife will no longer drive my life. Stress is over, God. I thank you that I have peace with you and you have invaded and overtaken my life because I have yielded like clay and you are pottering me and making me your masterpiece. Yeah. I thank you that I'm a tree of righteousness. There is fruit hanging all over me. And when the thirst need drink it's on my tree when people need love come to me when people need mercy and forgiveness it's all over my life <sighs> I have prayed that way for years and guess what you actually believe it <laughs> but the Spirit of God has faith to work with an agreement to work with and all of a sudden it's not latent <laughs> latent <laughs> <laughs> Miss Martha, <laughs> all of a sudden the Spirit of God, <gasps> not that he was ever slumbering, rises up in you. And he's awake and he's alive. And all of a sudden you get thrown into a thing where you should be so angry. And you don't even know how to be. Not because you're trying not to be because it's a Christian thing to do. Well, I can't be angry now. Well, now what, brother? No, we can work this out. No, it's okay. Right? That's ridiculous. No, where all of a sudden it's not, why? Because it's supernatural. Then who gets all the glory? 
So I go to Anthony and I say, Anthony, what's going on with you, man? How could you do this? How could you? Man, what? And all of a sudden he's looking and he can't really answer. He just knows he's been with him. And all of a sudden Anthony goes, God, you are so working in my life. You're transforming me. God, you're bringing to fruition all my yeses and desires. All of a sudden, tears are in his eyes. He has to get alone because he's just in love all the more because, God, you're so faithful. You've considered me, God, and not only considered me, you've transformed me. I'm not the man I used to be, even in action and demonstration. This isn't even faith anymore. It's reality. (gasps) Are you following me? We had a couple hands. I know I had Rick and Brian. If you can help me, BJ. The question I have, when you were reading Colossians 3.1, we say we believe uh, that, we be, that we were risen with Christ, and I don't know what you went in on Romans 6, but Romans 6 clearly said he died unto sin once. He's alive unto God forevermore. We Likewise, <laughs> reckon yourself. There now, you that's it. if that's so... Then why is it that most of our messages are on sin? Most of our talk, and I when when people talk to me, the only time I think about sin is when they're bringing it up. Why is it we always got to have sin as part of our vocabulary instead of righteousness? There there's, could be a lot of answers, Rick. But but here's the deal, and I, I, I'd be, I'd be hesitant to answer the question and put it in a box because there could be a lot of reasons. One thing we do is we, we tend to don't realize we honor the ability to sin and we feel like we got to uphold it because if we make ourselves humble, it exalts God. That is not God's intention. God's intention isn't that we humble ourselves by exalting our sinfulness. Actually, humility is the ability to receive. Pride resists. When you say yes to God's love, that's humble. When you say yes to God's mercy, that's humble. When you, when, you, when you look and think of your life and what you live, and yet God says, I love you, and I don't, even, I don't even want to remember that, I love you, and you say, yes, that's humble. When you say, who, me? Well, yeah, but you don't know where I've been. Well, not. I, I believe God can forgive you, but he could never forgive me. That's pride. Absolutely. You're, you're exalting your own behavior, your own actions, your own past above his good nature. Come on. So pride resists, humility receives. So this is a good way to weigh humility. Some of these things have an appearance of humility and they're false humility. They have an appearance of humility. They're not humility at all because they resist the grace of God. Oh, humility receives the grace of God. It says God gives grace to the humble. So if somebody's resisting grace, that would make them proud, right? <laughs> Come on. So the best thing you can do is just let him love you and just get goofy with him. Man. <laughs> you see? So did somebody else have a comment? I just, when you were talking, Dan, about how do we do this with staying out of works? Yeah. Um, God brought to mind, it's, it's so awesome in John 6, after he gets done feeding the 5,000, they ask him, what must we do to work the works of God and he says it's very simple the work of God is to believe he made he made how powerful like, is that he made it so his love is but we still relate to him as if as if we're still married to the law and Romans 7 says right. divorce from him be dead to it it's excellent Brian and um, I was teaching last night and I said I'm going to say some things that are going to sound sharp they're going to sound harsh I said he doesn't need you to serve him 
He doesn't need you to love him. He doesn't you know, need you to do... Every, all that stuff is in response to what he's done first. If we don't get that, if we don't say yes and believe that, you know, we're still relating as though he needs, like you say, needs affirmed. He needs these right. things. He's up there freaking out, you know, but it's, right. he made it so simple. The work of so God simple. is just believe. Believe. Yeah. Like yesterday, we said if it's, if it's, if it's uh, works, then it's debt. We're paying off a debt. Remember in Romans? We went to Romans 4. We backed up. But see, it's not debt. It's, it's grace, right? So we went to that chapter. And watch this. Let's, let's do this because I want you to see this. And then we're going to try to go somewhere. <laughs> I guess we are somewhere. This is, this, are you having fun with this? I'm really having fun with this. Hang on, just hold questions for a minute. Let's, let's just get here. Don't lie to one another. Why? You've put off the old man. How do you put off the old man? The only way you put off the old man is communion with God and prayer and coming out of the lie of who you've been taught and told you always have to be. That's another reason sin is mentioned so much. Now, you have to make sure that you don't hide behind that lie of sin and use that sin doctrine as your excuse to remain in the flesh. Sometimes it just explains away our experience. Because we're struggling or we're this or we're that or we're not seeing change. So we, we come up with a doctrine to oblige our life yes. instead of change our life. Are you following me? We do that with healing too. Just hang on. That's, yeah, I'll let you go and then I'll take a couple of questions since they're obviously building. Linda, give, give her the mic and then we'll do whoever. Did you have one, Trish? Did you have a question or comment, Trisha? Well, hang on. Wait, if you do, I'm saying do you. Oh, because we'll get you the mic. What I'm saying is we'll cover a couple. Yeah, the I don't lie to one another. I never knew what that what that meant. Well, don't lie to one another. Don't don't live insincere. Don't live uh, deceitful. Don't don't lie to one another. Why? Because lying has to do with self-preservation. You're covering something. You're usually protecting yourself. Why do people lie? So why would you lie to one another? So, so people say, no, I didn't do that, or no, I didn't say that, or they'll exaggerate things or make up things. Why? Because there's a self-connotation. Well, we died to the old man. Why would I live in deceitfulness anymore in the place of lying if I've died to myself? I have nothing to hide. Do you get what we're saying? Do you understand? Are you sure you understand? Let, try to explain your question more so I understand what you're asking. It says, don't lie to one another since you put off the old man. In other words, let's live in uprightness. Let's live in truth. Let's live in honesty and sincerity. Why? Because we're now Christ-like. See, for us to live in deceit and lying, we think that's just human nature. That's just, well, it is human nature through the fall, but it's not your created value. That's what God's saying. What he's saying is the way you lived before I came isn't the way I made you. The way you lived before I came is the way you became because of sin and being born into Adam, and you must be born again. Come on, this thing's clear. So brand new nature, brand new way of thinking, brand new way of living, brand new motivation, and now it's love. So why would I lie? Why would you lie? Why would we lie to one another? Why would we live in deceit and dishonesty if we've put on Christ? You get it? So why would we do that? So here he's saying the reason we want is because we've put off the old man. So the old man has to do with deceit. Deceitful lust, passions, malice, wrath, anger, evil desire, covetousness, all these things are the old nature. You follow? So we're going to put them off. Watch what we're going to do then, Linda. Watch. And we're going to be renewed in knowledge. 
See, this is what we haven't understood. What we're teaching, the purpose of doing this school and teaching what we're teaching is because it seems like we haven't understood this, right? So we want to get this knowledge out there because in all you're, under, all you're getting, get understanding. If we can get a revelation, this will transform our life. It'll convict us in areas where we haven't received change. Things that were permissible that aren't edifying all of a sudden get exposed and revealed for what they really are. You see what I mean? And all of a sudden, truth comes and makes you free. That's why you teach. What are you showing me here, buddy? Nine and ten. Don't lie to one another. You're done with that old life. It's like a filthy set of ill-fitting clothes you've stripped off and put in the fire. Now you're dressed in a new wardrobe. Every item of your new way of life is custom made by the Creator with all of His label on it. That's good. That's really good. That's the Message Bible. So that probably answered your question there. That was good. So watch this. So we're going to, the new man is what? He's renewed in knowledge according, in agreement with, according to. So the knowledge has an attachment here. The knowledge is according, watch, this is where I get this, that we're being restored back to his image. Let us make man in our image and in the likeness of God, he made us, right? You look like your daddy. You really do. So see, because he made us in his what? In his image. So when God sees every one of us, he sees that, that destiny, that potential to manifest his nature, his character, right? So here's what we're doing. We're putting off the old man, putting on the new, who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. So the Christian life is a restoration back to the image of God. It's right there scripturally. There's a couple other places, but there is crystal clear, isn't it? So the new man, the new man is a man that's thinking through, living through, and seeing through who God is. And you realize you've received every right to become that by His grace and power. And faith takes you there, guys. Amen? Did you have a comment? Did you need the mic? It's right behind you. Just grab it. I was just going to say, when you were talking about being humble and pride, it's like we're taught the opposite. Like that being prideful is saying that, um, what? Yeah, like it's presumptuous. Like what I'm preaching could be presumptuous and poor little arrogant and, oh man, you sure aren't humble. Who do you think you are? Well, I'm trying to tell you who I think I am. And it's not glory to me. It's glory to him. It's his desire. It's all everything he's saying. Right. So these comments are so superficial. We say, we say, well, well, you need to watch out. You need to stop. You need to not think yourself more highly than you ought. Yeah. Yep. See, that's yeah. people stepping out beyond gifting, the grace on their life. It's trying to minister beyond where you've been, what you've seen, delving into things that comparison, trying to impress. People can get weird in that stuff. But, but to think higher of yourself than you ought that would be pretty hard in the sense of relationship and identity because God's saying through Jesus Christ, I love you! You're worth the blood of my son. Your life lived is worth his death. So let's get it on and roll this thing so I can get you up. (laughs) Come on. Amen? So yeah, there's a connotation your whole life. Yeah, that's fine. There's a connotation your whole life that these things are reversed. That to speak the way we're speaking is proud and to do the opposite is humble. It's twisted. 
It's twisted. You know, the Bible says, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Anything else is of the evil one. The reason there's so much indecisive doctrine is because we've listened to the devil more than God. Because we've weighed our theology through life instead of the spirit. That's a strong statement, but I made it with the tape running. We have. We've done it in healing. Maybe he will. Maybe he won't. Right. If it's yes and amen gospel, where'd we get the yes and no in healing? Because let your yes be yes and your no be no. Anything else is from the devil. That's right. Come on. That means he's orchestrated our theology through life instead of the life of Christ. And he's played on our sentiments, our empathy, our hurting hearts, our anger. He's played on that stuff to get us to embrace a language that we're almost afraid to touch because everybody's hackles come up and we're all in self-defense of our private circumstances, losses, trials, long prayer, losing a loved one. And now we can't even preach through all that because there's walls around people. Right. And we're all defending our experiences at the cost of truth, which makes us free. It's a whole nother topic and a whole nother day. You have something else? Yeah. Well, you're talking about the image, like we're made in God's image. What does that really mean? I mean, as his image. The image of God is love. God's nature, tender mercies, gentleness. Well, we're going to read it. I'll, I'll just read it right here. It's a good question. And we're going to hit become in love. I told you guys, just hang on because it's, be, it's just going to be fun. <laughs> because it's so affronted. It so exposes human flesh and motivation when you preach love love is the freest place you can live the reason God is so free and so amazing is because he's love he's not having a bad day and his heart's not hard and if you'd look through human eyes he has every reason to be a mess he should probably change his mind about us he should probably give up on some of us right he should probably have some of us on probation Making us prove ourselves. He should probably be a lot, right? But he doesn't think like a man thinks. God is love. And he gives you every opportunity to shine. So why don't you shine? You do. Amen. She's so awesome. I'm glad you're in the front row. Hope you don't mind me picking on you like that, but it's just a blessing. She's just, she's just so sincere. When I look at her, I see a sincere heart lit up for Jesus. I'm like, oh, smelts me. <laughs> it does. It's really fun for me. Okay. Well, renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him, where there's neither Greek nor Jew. See, there's no comparison stuff. It's not circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and in all. Now watch. Therefore, oh, we already read. Therefore, we don't have to back up. As the elect of God, what are you? See, just get over that and just say, whoa. Whoa. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You're the elect of God. You're God's choice. You're God's elect. You're the best he could find. You're the best he's got, and he's good with that. (laughs) Man, come on. It's in your Bible. And we're going to down talk that with sin language? I'm not down talking nothing. You can tack me to a cross. You can call me a heretic. You can stone me. I found it here. I'm the elect of God. I'm his choice. I'm the best he could find. I'm not just his choice. I'm his elect choice, dude. (laughs) So are you. And he's right in the front, too. He's just hanging on, man. 
It's good. The elect of God. Oh, yes. That's humility. That's absolutely right. <laughs> she said, that passes the test. She's sitting there saying, wait, I'm elect. If I believe that I've passed the test, I'm humble. Grace is on me. That's exactly, that's exactly what we're talking about. So if we read that, watch, watch what pride says. Well, I don't know why God would choose me. And see, the only reason you're saying that is because you're weighing your life based on past life lived. Not potential destiny calling and identity through Christ. The only reason you'd say that is because you're evaluating and assessing yourself through the flesh instead of Christ in you and your potential. It's clicking, huh? So you are the elect, right? And guess what else you are? Holy and beloved. Now who wrote this? Did a man write this, write this, or did Holy Spirit inspire a man to write this? So the Word of God's inspired by God, by the Spirit of God. So the Spirit of God wrote this through a man and inspired him to call you holy because that's how God sees you through Christ. Hello? And we're going to drag around and sell out our identity and then live up to what we think we are, which is low. That's deception. That's why this identity thing is so huge, and that's why we've camped on it for two weeks. Because all of a sudden, you live what you think you are. You give yourself to the value you possess. And your identity and esteem dictates the fruit that hangs on your tree. You can follow. It's a proven thing that almost all addictive behaviors are attached to a shattered esteem and identity and insecurity. Identity crisis. Addictive behaviors, compulsive behaviors are because we've devalued our identity. Our esteem. You follow me? Yeah. What am I reading? Oh, the, the highlighted. So, chosen by God for this new life of love. Dress in the wardrobe God picked out for you. Compassion, kindness, humility, quiet strength, discipline. Be even-tempered, content with second place. Quick to forgive an offense. Oh, I get to play with the phone. Forgive as quickly and completely as the master forgave you. Good deal. It's clear. That's the message Bible. That's what we keep reading there. I'm going to read it in my uh, New King James Version because it's anointed too. <laughs> therefore, <laughs> therefore, <laughs> did somebody need that? Did somebody? Let, me, let me read this and if you still have a question, we'll let you. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on, so you're holy, you're beloved, you're the elect of God, So since this is true, you're not just this to wear that t-shirt, I'm loved by God or I'm the elect of God. It's to enter you in to the transformation of life. It's to qualify you to receive His grace, His nature, His spirit, be transformed. Watch this. If you're the elect of God, holy and beloved, look, does God love you just for the sake of loving you? Is the goal of the cross for you to say, Father, you love me, or for you to be restored back to that love? 
See, we could just stop right there and just say, well, it's just all about God loves you, God loves you, God loves you. Well, that's great, he does, and we need to see it. It's paramount, that's why I'm camping so long on it. But you're gonna find out in this whole next week coming up that the whole reason that that, that love is so there, so free to flow, is so that you be transformed by it and reproduced after it and made just like it. Or it's still just a self-serving thing, and it's just about being loved by God instead of becoming the love of God. You follow me? Because if not, if not, you're just drawing all, you're just receiving the love of God and you're walking around on this little island all by yourself. God loves me, but you despise people, you're jealous, you're proud, and you say, hey, well, that's all right, I don't care what you think. God loves me. That's twisted. Because the whole reason this is here is for this to flow. The whole reason God's love is on the earth towards you is so you become that love and love one another. Nobody's on an island by themselves with God. And even if you take a little siesta with Him, a little trip with Him, a little honeymoon with Him, it's still all about you becoming love and manifesting that love in your life. You get, get what I'm saying? Okay. Now watch. So put on. Here again, if we put off through communion and union, then we put on through communion and union, right? So we put off the old. Now we're going to put on the new. You put on what? Tender mercies. Tender mercies. Man, it might be good sometimes just to study out some of these words for you in your own life. I won't do that in the school, but, but unless the Lord would put an importance on one of them. But a tender mercy. Tender mercy. Just, it's, it's just beautiful. It's the heart of God. Kindness. Do you hear that? It's not just even mercy. He adds the word tender. Mercies. I love that. It's not like, well, no, look. No, it's okay. I'll let you slide. No, look, I'll forget it. No, it's okay. No, serious, it's done. No, there's tender mercies. There's, there's such a heart in this. I just love that. Kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another, and forgiving one another. Why? Because if anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, are you already forgiven? Even as Christ what? So are you already forgiven? Yes. Well, then why don't you just become forgiveness? See? So why is that kind of grace forwarded towards humanity? So we can become the same thing. His image. The restoration back to His image. Do you see? So are you forgiven for the sake of being forgiven so that you yourself and you can get to heaven one day? Not even close close is right. Thank you. It's so that we can become the same thing and manifest Christ to the world. And that God's intent, remember Ephesians 3, through, through the church, make known His manifold wisdom to the powers that be. Oh, you get this? But above all these things, above all these things, put on, it's the bond of what? Perfection. The bond of perfection. That'll freak some intellectuals out right there. The bond of perfection. Perfect unity. Love. It's the fulfillment of the law. It does no harm to a neighbor. Love fulfills all things. It's amazing. It's your all-purpose garment. <laughs> yeah, never be that. 
Do you get this? First Timothy 1.5 says, The goal of all our instruction, the goal of the commandment is love. This thing is not about getting to heaven. It's about becoming love. Because if you become love, who knows you're one with the eternal one and you'll have everlasting life. Of course we hope in that. And, and, we, and, we, and there's, a, there's, a, there's a truth there and I hope in His appearing and I'm glad that I'm one with Him and, and I'm perfected in that day of judgment because I have boldness because as He is, God is love, so am I right here. We're one. So I have nothing to hide from, nothing to fear. When He comes, I've been, He'll see Himself in me and two are already one. <laughs> That's perfection. It says, love is perfected. 1 John 4, 17. Love is perfected in this, that we have boldness in the day of judgment. Boldness. Yeah. Why? Because as he is, so are we. <gasps> Who is he? The whole chapter, John 4, is love, 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 love. God is love. He is love. That's 1 John chapter 4, verse 17. But the whole chapter's good. Read it. It's fun. Perfected. First John 2 says that if you love, there's no cause for stumbling because of your brother. That means nobody has the authority, the power anymore in love to stumble your heart, offend you, or cause you to take a step back. Oh. We're going to get on love, you guys. I'm telling you, you're going to be over here. We're going to stretch, stretch, stretch till the popping stops. <laughs> when the popping stops, I figure that we'll retie everything up in the bands and cords that cannot be broken. <laughs> so poetic. Romans 6. Did somebody have a question or comment? I have this brain freeze still on Colossians 3, verse 5, where it says, mortify your members on the earth. And I'm thinking, you know, the spirit of man, that's a part of us that's made in the image of God. Where is this, all this opposition, you know, we're dead, but yet we have to mortify after we're dead. Is that like coming out of our soul realm? Is that the mind, will, and emotions? And do you think that the, the new man includes, it, it, is it greater than just the spirit of man, you think? Does it include like the will of man? Am I getting too complicated? <laughs> Probably a little with that. Uh, we've lost our innocence through sin, right? So when you hear the phrase, become like a child, that's the restoration of your innocence. Okay? So one goal of this gospel in, in making you love is restoring your innocence again, where your heart is pure, and to the pure all things are pure, and the pure in heart see God. But if you have to set your mind on things, there's still things that rise above the knowledge of God. There's still thoughts that go, yeah, but, and the flesh is involved. And there's still passing desires. There's still memories of yesterday. There's, some of them are demonic. Some of them are just former memories. Some of them are absolute strategies that are interjected just at the right opportune time to try to get to see if you're really what you say you are. You're in a war. You're not wrestling flesh and blood. There's a deceiver who is whispering. He's a snake in the grass. And he says, did God really say? Did God really say? And then he contorts what God? Oh yeah, God said. Yeah, but God just meant. And that language is in the church a lot on certain topics, especially healing. You'll find when we get on healing. Healing, when I talked about healing last school, I told you it was the toughest. I cried after the sessions. It was like, it felt like we couldn't hear. I felt like we have been so boxed in on healing that we couldn't even hear. And I cried. I actually cried a bunch of days during that whole session. It was, I feel crying now because I'm just... 
But some of this stuff comes, so see there, there's the difference, Martha, between this stuff isn't just positional and you confess it and that's it. There's, there's, a, there's, a, there's thoughts that rise above the knowledge of God in your life. It can come from your soul. The fact that you lost, you lost innocence over the years and there's a way that seems right to man that, that's gained a voice and it keeps trying to speak and you have to submit to God, resist that thing so it's done. Some of them are demonic strategies and I believe they're literal whisperings. Did God really say? And I believe they're straight from the voice of hell. Yes, yes, yes. You get it? Yeah. So what, it doesn't matter the source. If it's knowledge that rises above God, it's not God. So it doesn't even matter the source. Who cares technically where it's coming from? It's not God. It's not edifying. It's not wisdom. It's the way that seems right. Whether it's coming out of my soul, whether there's a devil with a little megaphone whispering into my mind, I, it doesn't matter to me. I have to get to a place where I know what is God and the lamp of the body is fine-tuned and narrow through truth and all these other things are exposed through truth and light and removed. Do you get it? So I'm setting my mind on things above. That's why you got to build yourself. Did you hear John say, I was reading First John yesterday and I was like, yeah. See, now that's not to get you into this. Well, I better read my Bible. I'm a Christian. No, you read your Bible because you want to know and understand and know Him. You want to be in the light and in the know, and you don't want anything to eat your lunch and sell you short now that Christ has come. So you're not reading your Bible because it's a Christian thing to do. Well, make sure you attend a church and read your Bible once a day and make sure you pray. What we tell people. And then we turn them into a robot. <laughs> Isn't that what we tell people? Welcome to the kingdom. Make sure you plug into a good life-giving church. Read your Bible every day and make sure you pray. <laughs> Rather than man, get to enjoy getting to know him. Just understand that when you read this, this is your face-to-face -face encounter with him. You will see who he is. And the more you see who he is, the more you'll know who you are. Man, you get excited and you get in the Word because God will reveal Himself. And every time you open it, don't read it like a history book. Ask Holy Spirit to give you revelation, understanding, and illuminate you and cause you to see the face of the living God. It's a little different than reading because you're a Christian and doing your daily devotion. See, I'm devoted to you, God. I'm keeping my mind on the things of God this morning so I can live the rest of the day okay. That's, that's, man, let God come into your daily devotion. I'm not against setting time apart. But who knows, God needs to invade even sometimes your perspective of devotional time. God needs to show up and make it life. <laughs> Am I just being real? Okay? Okay. We good? Can I ask a question? I got a lot of hands. Go ahead. I got the thing. Go ahead. Jesus, I got the thing. <laughs> you got the kingdom too. You're elect and holy and beloved. You got it. Yeah. Hey, for several years I've not understood the single eye, but it's just simply being heaven-minded, the mind of Christ, the identity lining up with what God says. Looking through truth, looking through the life of Jesus, looking through love. Single eye. God's, God's not multiple choice. He's not a wide view lens. In other words, he's not a well, but yeah, if, you know what I mean? He's the way. It's the way of love. You'll find as we teach more down in the school here that the way of love will define that big time. It's the way of love. Love doesn't take account of a suffered wrong. Why? Because love doesn't seek its own. 
So if you don't die to yourself in your Christianity, you always seek your own. And that's where fear comes from, frustration, discouragement, despair. Now watch, we teach in a way that gives ourselves permission to be all those things and say it's normal when if somebody says they're not, they're in denial. Sorry to take that out on your table, but that's a lie. So we get to the place where you can't just be okay. I say it all the time. We, we, you've heard this. You've heard people say, if you have somebody that's always saying, hey, I'm cool, brother, I'm good, brother, hey, I'm doing great, brother, you need to get them alone, get them where nobody's around, and get them and look them in the eyes and say, okay, now tell me how you really do. Exactly. Because we believe you can't be okay. And if you believe you can't be okay, you will never manifest okay. But when I read my Bible, it tells me I'm free. We sing the songs freedom, spin, and wave all our little wavies and then believe we can't be free. And believe that if we're saying we're okay too much in a row, there's got to be something wrong and we're in denial. But we'll sing I'm free and wave our little thingies. Come on. I'm getting real with this thing. I'm, I'm, I'm addressing this thing. Come on, don't you believe you can't be transformed and walk in the image of God? Don't you dare believe that. Grace is sufficient for you. What God calls you to, He empowers you to. But you have to believe it. Did He call you to become love? Is He willing to make you love if you're willing? Come on, of course He is. Good answer, of course. I like that strong answer. Uh, I got hands everywhere. Where do I have hands? I got, oh my goodness, what am I doing? I'm stirring up a, a pot. <laughs> Jesse. Yeah, I just wanted to, um, going back to uh, Colossians 3, 5, what Martha was talking about. Yes. I think, because I, I had that same question in my heart as far as my mentality of, okay, the Holy Spirit is in me. So the ability, the ability to become like God is in me. I'm renewed. And... But, like, my mentality for, like, my mentality in the past has been, okay, the Holy Spirit's in me, but I still have issues in my heart that are getting renewed by the Holy Spirit. Yeah, you're but growing still, up into Him. But and things try to get in the I way. Think, so, but when, like, the, when those desires rise up, what you're saying is, by faith we say, that is not my identity. That's not who I am. Look at, look at verse 5 in your Bible. It says, therefore, and then read the next four words, or three words. Consider the members of your earthly no. body as dead. Therefore, oh, okay, that's what your mind says, yes. put to death. Put to death, right. Or consider the members dead. So if they seem to have life, guess what you do? Kill them. Right. <laughs> right. And then they seem to have life, kill them. They seem to have like, kill them. And don't say, why do I have to keep killing this thing if it's already dead? And then just kill them. Put to death the members of your flesh. In other words, you're not going to live by the flesh, but by the spirit. And enjoy the ride because there's nothing wrong with you. The fact that you're feeling other things. Or say you're, man, it's a good thing actually. When you're trucking along and all of a sudden you're in a place of relationship and union and communion. And all of a sudden, God, you see something about your heart that has a shift or a twist to the motivation. And you see it. That's an exciting thing. Because that means you're walking in the light. 
That means things are being revealed. Some of them just leave and you never know it. They just leave in the process. Some of them God wants you to be aware of and makes a highlights it so that you aren't snared by it so it doesn't subtly sneak in. He wants to kill it for sure. Yeah. So he shows you what it is, gives you an understanding so it's not a snake in your life. And he crushes it. So you don't have a problem. That's an awesome thing. Now, if you're not clear in your understanding, then that happens. You go, oh, God, I can't believe after all this time I still got this wicked stuff in my heart. I don't know if I'll ever change. And then we go into that demeaning mindset, language, ho-hum, wonder if I'm even saved or something. That's the whole strategy, exactly. You see? To try to get in your head and slowly repossess your heart. Right. Yeah. Come on. See how good questions are? Questions are good. Did they draw out truth. What do we got here? Here's verse 5 in the message. And that means killing off everything connected with the way of death. Sexual promiscuity, impurity, lust, doing whatever you feel like, whenever you feel like it, and grabbing whatever attracts your fancy. That's a life shaped by things and feelings instead of God. We used to live that way, and there's a temptation to still reserve that right. True? But you set your mind on things above. The fact that it says set your mind means there's going to be a trial in areas of your life. That things are going to come back to test you and to try you. That the devil himself is going to look for opportunity. And don't you be unaware of his devices. You get it? So you work out your salvation with a reverence and awe to God and you manifest who He is because you can. Amen? Come on, this is crystal clear. And, and yeah, just to uh, uh, build on that comment, just, just obs- observing Romans, I mean, the only command He gives until uh, chapter 12. So for 12 chapters, the only command He gives, the only thing He tells them to do is reckon. Therefore, believe. Therefore, reckon yourself indeed unto sin and then Dead you get to, to Romans 12 but you can't get to Romans 12 which is telling you what what that kind of life looks like how that kind of life is lived you can't get there until you get to until you have uh, hit Romans 6 right. which then leads to all the way through Romans yeah, 12 so that, the only that command just is keeps believe building. That's the excellent. only command is reckon Reckon yourself dead indeed to sin. We pounded that yesterday. It was so life-giving. The atmosphere was like in the room. was like my heart. At least it was my heart. Maybe it was just my heart. But I, I was just like, because that's powerful. You know, you reckon yourself dead. Romans 7 talks about the man still married to the law and trying to work out his own deal and not through Christ. Romans 8 tells you to live by the Spirit and that you're predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son and that if God didn't spare His own Son, how much more will He freely give you everything it takes to be like His Son? It keeps going and building and then it reveals the life in 12 and 13 actually of just that finished work. Amen? Who, who, yeah. The question I have for you, uh, I woke up with this particular scripture. Simultaneously, Brian got the same scripture with the same thought, and I'm going to ask it, is it possible? Because it's not nothing in Colossians, but it's in 2 Corinthians 3.18. Is it possible that 2 Corinthians 3.18 is a wedding ceremony where the veil that is over us is God saying you're a chaste virgin and where the man says uh, who gives this uh, woman to be uh, how, how to be the, the, the bride of the husband the father lifts the veil up and says 
It's time for the wedding night. <laughs> it's awesome. You can see all that you want and rejoice, okay? For 2 Corinthians 3.18, see, it's, it's what you can embrace and see. It, it, they, what he's talking about is we all now with unveiled face. This fits totally. This isn't an offbeat question, guys. This fits totally in everything we talked about for the last two weeks. So we all now, because of these truths we've been sharing with an unveiled face, behold as in a mirror. Man, look at this. Behold as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. Oh. Yes. Yes. Man, we all just pass out mirrors. <laughs> oh. just... Now they would think that was arrogant. <laughs> oh, give me a mirror, dude. Yeah. <laughs> I do it in my truck. I look in the rearview mirror. I catch myself. I look in the truck. I go, oh, 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 oh. I do it when you aren't in my truck. I drive, I look in the rearview mirror, I go, ho, oh, oh, I catch my eyes, I say, I see you in there. <laughs> and you know when I do that? The Holy Spirit comes and just comes in my little truck. The God of the universe manifests in my little, see, I'm just like, ooh, right now, I'm just, oh. Turn into a hoer right now. Whoa. I am about ready to hoe right now. Whoa, I'm really ready. Help me, Jesus, keep me, keep me behaved. Keep me behaved. <laughs> stop everybody stop you're not helping things you, stop this is too good to laugh don't just, <laughs> we we are look we're not maybe might think and hope for we are being transformed see the first key is you with an unveiled face look in that mirror and see the potential of God the image of God the created value of God you look in the mirror and see that you're one with him now look Oh, that's true. With an unveiled face. You beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. You are. You are. You are being transformed into the same image. From glory to glory. What a good revelation BJ has on that. I'll let you just jump up and share that. You got the mic? From glory to glory. You jump up and just share that. It's very clear. Um, God is always God. Never changing. God can never be a God that is waiting to give us our blessing. God is God from everlasting to everlasting. God is a God that has delivered us and has blessed us. From glory I was blessed. From glory I was delivered. And to glory will I ever be delivered. <laughs> Do you see that? Watch. The lamb slain before the foundation of the world. God has always seen me for who I am. God has always called me to his highest best. God has always called me to his image. So that's a place of glory. He created us, God's glory on the earth. Man, Psalms 8 says that. Hebrews 2 says that. So from glory, and then Christ crucified, raised again to glory, and everything in between. Come on. God has never lost sight of who he made us to be. That's what he's saying. What God blessed is still blessed. God doesn't change his mind. He doesn't not see blessing and then decide to bless. He blessed us in creating us and made us in his image. Man fell away. Man died. Man lost it. He moves all that away. And from glory to glory through Christ, we're restored back to what we always were in his sight. That's phenomenal. So you better with unveiled face what? Behold as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. And go ahead and let Holy Spirit transform you into the same image from glory to glory just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Watch this. Therefore, since we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, 
why would we ever lose heart? But we have renounced the hidden things of shame. No longer walking in craftiness. Remember Linda lying to one another? We're no longer walking in craftiness nor handling the word of God deceitfully or with any wrong motive. But by the manifestation of truth commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. You hear purity and all that? Oh, man, why would you want anything else unless you're selfish? <laughs> I wasn't talking to anybody here. I was just talking. I was making a statement. Do you get it? Yeah. Why would you want anything else if you're surrendered and dead and alive unto God? <gasps> oh, this is so fun. I tell you, I'm getting born again. I'll be, I'll be saved before this school's over. Do we got everybody covered? Coming up here. You got Catherine too. Let's just hit a couple questions quick. We'll take a break and we'll go try to finish Romans 6. Oh, God. Huh? Oh, you can get there by faith if that'll help. I don't have a question. I have a comment on the way because I studied that out, right? Yeah. And that was fun because I heard you say the way, the truth of life and the way. And then there was regards to the evil or the downside of that, the way. And the way is actually in that is pertains to a highway, and if you search that out, you'll find out those highways in those days and even now are built up so the water runs off, and they were extremely high back then because the, the, of the they didn't have pavement like we do now. So, Holy Spirit said it's a highway, and you, you read the truth, so you have life, so you're going down this highway. But if you get off on the edge and you you start to waver, you actually run off the road. You'll run off the highway. Right. So it's the truth, the life, and the right highway. Like right. in Isaiah 35, the holy highway. Right. So you can, either be, awesome. you can either be on the highway to death or you can be on the highway to life. Right. The truth, the life, and but the way. But right in the middle of it all, there is the way. There is a way. to. That's like being in the world and not... That's being transformed by the... So our minds need a total conversion. And that's where transformation sound. Rachel, over... That's, that's the only battle there is. That's the only playground of the devil is try to get in your head into unrenewed areas, into unsurrendered areas, into misunderstood areas, or just no understanding areas. Yeah. And take advantage of what you don't see. Go ahead. This may be completely um, off-key, and if you want to address it later, that's fine. It's a parenting issue, I guess. Um, how do we parent out of love, not frustration? Um, because I know that God, obviously, he loves us, he disciplines, or I guess we have consequences for our actions. Right. And we need to instill that in our children. Sure, that's what discipline is. So, but how do you separate that? How do you separate the anger and just parent out of true love and not allow your emotions and no, frustration? That's an incredible, excellent, awesome question. We'll address it right now, okay? Because it pertains to a lot of people, even in this room. One of the biggest areas I, I was challenged in my whole life was you'd take what your kids do more personal. Somebody else's kid could do the same thing, and you wouldn't even think much of it, and your kid would do it, and you'd be like, wah! <laughs> you know? so, but it all goes back to the becoming love, seeing the value of your child, the blessing of your child, and it's this communion place, Rachel, and I'm talking to everybody else, too, but she asked the question. It's this, it's when you get that frustrated in correcting your child, it's because you're taking their actions, what? Personal. That's what it's showing you. You take that right to prayer and, and you start putting that off. 
Father, I thank you for the blessing of little so-and-so, little so-and-so. And Father, I thank you that just the way you saw the value in my life, even when I was way off track, you never came and slammed me. You weren't frustrated. In fact, the best you could do is love me and send your son and make a way for me. Thank you for making me that love, causing my eyes to see in little Billy, little Johnny, what your eyes see and have always seen even in me and in them. Lord, I thank you for bringing my heart in. I don't want selfishness. I renounce it. You find yourself on your knees. You're weeping. Did you hear her tears in the question? Because obviously she's revealing this has been a challenge in her life and areas, and it's convicting her. That's good. Your tears are awesome. It's awesome to have those tears. And then, because those tears are showing that she cares. And she's realizing this isn't the way. There has to be a better way, another way. How do I? So the fact that she's asking the question with tears isn't, oh my God, there's a problem. No, it's, wow, there's an answer. Because there's a lot of people not even blinking in that scenario. And they're expecting to feel that way. And he did what? She did what? Well, no wonder you feel that way, honey. I'd have been kicked too. I'd have knocked him across the room. That's how people talk. No, Father, this is not your heart. What I'm feeling makes me uncomfortable. You get real with God. You get what what I'm feeling makes me uncomfortable. Put your heart in me. I want to see the value of them. I don't want to be selfish. I don't want to be uh, personal in this thing. And I don't want to touch them outside of love. You have never, I pray this kind of stuff. You have never touched me outside of love. God, thank you for moving in my life so that I never touch outside of love. What you've done in me, I want to do in others. Reproduce yourself. Have your way. Slip to my knees. Sincere praying. Who knows that God starts doing stuff. I don't have the direct how he does that, Rachel. But I know if you'll do this, he'll do something. And all of a sudden, you'll just find yourself. Like people say, be careful if you pray for patience, brother. God will give it to you. Don't pray for patience. Who's ever heard that phrase? I'm thinking, what do you mean pray for patience? Just become love. Love is patient. Because when you're praying for patience, what you're saying is I have a love deficit. Isn't that what you're saying? I have a love deficit. So don't break the attributes of love up and try to get one or the other. Just become love and you'll find yourself very patient. Why? Because love doesn't take into account of a suffered wrong. Love's not seeking its own. So here's the deal. So when she disciplines her children, her child, or when you discipline your children or child, all of a sudden it's truly for their sake. You actually see their value and what you're doing is for them down the long road. And they might not even really understand it, but you take the time to try to explain that and you put certain conditions and restrictions and disciplines out there because you're trying to teach them that they continue to live this way. It's going to cause them great pain. You try to send that message through discipline, right? And a reaping and sowing kind of mentality and, and, and teach them where, because if it's just out of frustration, it produces rebellion, willfulness, tit for tat, push shove, secrecy, getting behind your back and all that. It creates a mess of stuff. Because there's no grace on that. You're not, you're, not, you're not doing it because they've ticked you off. You're doing it for their sake. So you're asking the Father by Holy Spirit to reveal their value, the beauty of discipline, the wisdom of it, and the right heart in it. And most of all, you can cry in your bedroom when nobody's looking and say, you know, I know that I shouldn't feel this way right now. There's something I'm not seeing and I want to see it. You can pray that humble and, and real. Don't try to be so spiritual that you can't get alone with God and, and, and say, you know what? 
I've been struggling with this. This frustration feels like it's what's motivating me. It is so not your will. So you come out of agreement with it. You call it what it is and isn't. And you realize it's not your calling in life or your lot in life. Don't label yourself as a person struggling with frustration. It is not who I'm called to be. And Father, I thank you for teaching me and showing me. Right then, Holy Spirit might put a verse in you. He might put a scripture in you. He might just come and touch you or whatever. He might just be there and listening and doing whatever he does supernaturally. But you walk out of the room in faith and you thank God he's transforming your life. Next situation you get in, you'd be amazed how things start changing. Serious. Because you don't bite your lip to be a better Christian. That's why people are discouraged. Because they realize they can't. And then they feel like something's wrong with me and I mustn't really care. And Maybe I'm rightly not sincere. And Well, I'll never get it. If I didn't get it by now, I'll never get it. And all those thoughts come. They're degenerate. And they're discouraging. And they're not true. You get it? Okay. Why don't you guys go take a break? And then we'll hit Romans 6 when you come back. Bless you guys. Take a break. Yeah. Thanks, Jesus. Are you there? Come on, faith man. Who's in faith? Who's at Romans 6? Romans 6, man, where do we even start? We were just, it's like we could start over, huh? No, we're not. It's just hard to even recap, man. Some of these chapters, you know, I tell people, I don't, people say, what's your favorite verse, your favorite scripture, favorite chapter? I really can't answer. I go to try to answer, and I think of another one, and another one, and another one. I think, I just love the Word of God. So, but I'll tell you what, these chapters in Romans are incredible. And if you heard Shane's comment about Romans, and it's not to get to Romans 12, it's good to have those kind of insights, guys. You, you need to realize it's one big book, one big letter. It's not chapters, it's one big letter. And if you read it in context, you can see the intent of the letter and just the progression of things when you read things. So I'd encourage you to read things like that through. Sometimes I'll, we'll get into communion with God here and... We have a lot of things we think we're going to do. That's why we got 13 weeks. But we're going to get into communion with God. I've been saying that for two weeks now. Uh, and uh, there's times I'll just read a, 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 a verse or a paragraph, and it's just all I need right there. And I'll just and, just, and then there's times I'll sit and just read chapter upon chapter. It just it's, it depends. You see what I mean? But uh, yeah. So Romans six. Let's do this. You guys ready? You ready to roll? Okay. So we found in Romans 6 that we died to sin, right? And that we were buried with him in baptism. I don't want to go too into detail with this because of time. I want to get a little further in the chapter and try to wrap it up so that we can just start next week real fresh. And you guys will see that our faces are unveiled. We have boldness to enter the holiest. We're holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. And we're going to continue in faith, right? And we're going to have uh, access to him. Amen? And we're going to really talk about communing with God. Last year, we talked a lot about that, and it seemed to be a real impacting time in the school for folks. I know George Hoke uh, cried and said, I've heard I'm to fellowship with God my whole life, but now I've seen what it looks like. And that was a morning where the Lord woke me up in the morning, and he said, Dan, when you go in there today, I want you to forget they're in the room and just just, just love, love me, commune with me like you do. And I felt a little funny. 
because it felt like the door would be open or something, you know? And I felt a little funny. I was laying there and I said, Lord, that's a pretty intimate time and that's just my heart. And, and he just told me to go ahead and do that. So I took some time and did that. At the very end, I taught right up and I just had a few moments, but it was, it was fun. Could I thought it was gonna be a lot more, but it gave everybody the picture. The other day, yesterday, when I started praying and communion a little bit, but I could feel myself slipping away. I said, I already forget you were in the room. I said, oh, God. But uh, we want to get on that communion with God because what he said is, he said, I've always been told I'm to do it, but nobody's ever explained what it really means to fellowship with the Lord and commune with the Lord. So, okay, we're buried with him through baptism, through baptism into death. I'm Romans 6, verse 4. I'm just kind of running through the chapter. I'm just kind of highlighting some things we cover. Because we're not going to continue in sin so grace abounds, right? Why? Because we died to sin. We died to its identity, its mark, its stain, its memory, sin. We're not created for sin. We're created for sonship. Remember how I said that this chapter reveals and the whole gospel reveals that Jesus did not just die on the cross because we were sinners. Jesus died on the cross to regain lost sons. It's a restoring of sonship. So he died on the cross not to expose your sin, to remove your sin. The lamb that takes away sin, why? To get to your sonship, amen? To qualify you as sons. Okay, so just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in the what? Newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, well then certainly we shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. So it's not just about dying, it's about living. Oh, it's so good. Knowing this, so we're called to know this. We're supposed to know this. That's why we're going over this. We know this. We're knowing this. Don't get bored with this and think we're just doing the same thing over and over again. This is stuff that is so foundational in your life that you want this to become so real to you, it, it becomes exciting. It's so real because it's who you are. You'll never be sold short again. You'll never sell out cheap again. Like you can't buy me back, buy me out. There's not a sellout price. My identity's secured through him. I'm not my own. I've been bought with a price. Do you get it? So you're not going to talk me into anything less. You're not going to get me to feel bad about myself or even feel bad about others. You see the best in people because of love. You see what I'm saying? You get renewed in the spirit of your mind. Now watch this. Knowing this, that our old man was what? Was what? Was crucified. So he's dead. The old man's dead. Oh, you can still remember things. You can still get flashbacks. You might even have a dream you wish you didn't have. You have a dream you wish you didn't have? Don't get freaked out and think the devil has some subconscious grip on you and start praying for deliverance. You sit up in your bed after having a dream you wish you didn't have and you say, Father, I thank you you've changed my life forever. I thank you there is no former things about me. There's just future today and the future things to come. You have your hand on me. God, I thank you. You've delivered me from all things. You've washed me clean. You made me free. You made me whole. See, even don't even let your dream life feel like you're vulnerable in your dream life. Even if something slips through into your dream life, when you wake up and remember that dream, you enter into communion with God and you declare truth and you thank God for freedom and don't you be afraid. You see what I'm saying? Because we take that stuff so face value and just the fact that we had a dream from the past, Christians that don't understand the gospel will have a field day with that. At the cost of your identity. It is a strategy. It's good. Picking up on this stuff. That's all a strategy. 
misunderstanding and misinformed people and then all of a sudden it's a ministry thing an oil thing and a deliverance thing and casting the devil out of you thing and it's like well did that dream bother you yeah that was horrible good that used to be your life and now it bothers you why don't you lift your hand and rejoice and thank God that you're changed forever and the devil no longer has access to you even in your sleep he's just reminding you of your transformation you just rejoice and give God glory see we're not being taught that. We're saying, you had what? Oh my God, well that's snaky devil. Well he must this. Well we need to pray this and we need to do this and we need to. Well, you need to lift your hands and rejoice and cast everything that rises above the knowledge of God down and bring it into obedience according to Christ. Hold it captive. Yeah. Agree it with Jesus. <laughs> you get it? Come on, don't make this thing difficult because a lot of these avenues of ministry that we've come up with are at the cost of strong identity. They're actually suggesting you have issues. If you're constantly, yeah, it's fear-based. If you're constantly suggesting that we have issues, when are you ever free and when are you ever founded and firm and, and rooted in Christ? Only if you're feeling like it. <laughs> God forbid. Okay, enough on that. Knowing this, our old man was crucified. The body of sin, that the body of sin might be done away with. This is where Jesse said, that word's not quite strong enough for me, might. <laughs> didn't you? That was good. He said, I want a better word. But what it means is that the possibility for you to be free from sin, the door's been opened. God has made a way for you to walk free from sin, its guilt, and its memory. But you have to receive that and walk that out by faith. That's why it says might. Not everybody accepts this gospel. Not everybody runs with joy into the arms of God. He's the best father that ever will be. And not everybody's sitting on his lap being fathered. He doesn't need a parenting program. He's not doing anything wrong. <laughs> Serious. Sometimes when a child goes haywire, we think it's the parents, and the parents think it's them, and if I'd have done a better job in condemnation, come on, God's the best parent there ever was. He's the best father there ever will be. But not everybody's running to his lap. Not everybody wants his counsel, and sometimes if your heart's in an opposite place, you're going to run from the most wisdom there ever will be. Come on, it's not a reflection on the father. Sometimes it's a lack of the identity of sons. not just always the parent because we're hard on fathers in this society and even the church we're always talking about the fathers it's not always the fathers sometimes you need to see you're a son so you can be fathered sometimes you need to see you're a part of something so you're not so willful <laughs> do you get it? okay can't tell you how many mothers I just got one again last week called me because they feel like they're failing if their kids aren't doing well as a parent. And their child's just little, but throwing some tantrums and rages. What are we doing wrong? What am I failing in? As a mother is the first thought. Well, first of all, your little two and a half year old's gonna need born again someday. <laughs> so don't freak out and take it personal and get condemned. Just keep shining Christ and living like Christ and modeling Christ to your child. So one day they say, Mommy, I wanna be just like you. Mommy, there's some things about me that, that I never see in you, and there's things about you that I don't seem to have. What's different about you, Mommy? Wouldn't that be a joy? Sitting on the bed when they're eight years old, and they cry, and they say, Mommy, I don't ever see you feel this way or do this or act this way. In fact, when I get around you, it makes me see inside. I feel this and this and this. And I say, well, I can explain that, honey. 
And he'd talk about Jesus and who we were created to be and born into Adam and mommy got born again and I know we go to church and stuff but there's a time for you to realize and you come of age and I haven't talked to you till now strongly about it because I knew one day you'd see this. Well, I see it mommy and I don't want to live this way anymore and I don't want these things in my heart. I'll tell you what, I'm going to go fill up the bathtub. We're going to pray. We're going to pray and I'm going to go dunk you in there. And when the bubbles stop, I'm going to lift you up. You ain't ever going to talk back to me again. <laughs> no, 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 that's a joke. Cut the tape. Stop. No, do you see what I'm saying? Do you see what I'm saying? Do you see how powerful that is? Born again. So you're not getting your little child to pray this prayer. Oh, she prayed the prayer. No, she's convicted and convinced by your life. And she doesn't think Christianity is getting up on Sunday morning and going to church. You can teach your kids religion by having strife in the home and anger and living just like you've always lived, but then say, listen, we need to get to church and then live in a certain way at home. You're actually teaching your kids religion that Christianity is going to church, not being transformed. Don't do that. And even if you have done that, it's not the end of the world. And don't you go, well, if you do that, go ahead and die, but then make sure you get up. (laughs) So if you suck wind like that and die, just get up and do right. See, because you can always start now, right? So once you get understanding, you can start now. God's a redeemer. He's bigger than the mistakes we've made. Because even your children need to see the humility of repentance and change. And wow, daddy, you used to do this and live that. And I remember, yeah, and I got really convicted. And you know what? Well, you sure took it to heart because you're different. Well, that's because people can change, son. And I'm sorry for the day when I this. And I'm sorry for the times when. And you know what? It really grabbed my heart. And I thought, you know what? I'm not teaching my family a good lesson. I'm not being a good example priest. And I thank you, appreciate that you acknowledge you see change. Oh, daddy, there's a lot of change in you. You're not like I remember. Well... Thanks for seeing me for who I am. You don't have to remember that fella. I'm telling you, son, he's dead and gone. All of a sudden, there's integrity towards you in your son who you might have taught religion. Why? Because you took to heart and said, hey, it's not the end of the world. Now I'm actually teaching through my repentance to my son that people can change and be integral and live sincere. All of a sudden, God works with all that and reveals his glory. Amen? This is a good day. You got a, where's the microphone? We got the mic? Thanks, buddy. Shana. Right beside you. Thanks, I, Jesus. Um, <laughs> it's more of a comment, and I get a, a, an insight on, um, comparatively, of what you're saying there. Um, isn't that how we should be with each other, too? Because we end up making it so complicated with holding each other as adult Christians in that comparative because you should know better because you're older. Shouldn't we be like that as we are with our children? Yeah, we're going to hit, we're going to cover love so extensively and what it means to walk in love. And uh, yeah, absolutely yes. We should love one another just like God loved us. If you're looking at each other a way that God hasn't looked at you, then re... re (laughs) re-look. Redefine your view. Amen? Come on, if I'm treating you at a level and I'm mandating you and holding you on a thing that God hasn't held me on, then what am I doing? Come on, you can't do that. Okay, and we're going to cover it. We're going to hit it real hard, but, but the answer to your question is yes. 
Yes, and then what do, what do we do then to one another? We inspire one another in the way. We can actually be a conviction and a helpmate with one another and we can all sharpen one another in a life lived in Christ, right? Yeah, this is beautiful. See, I just know that I'm called to live from a certain place and manifest certain things so that what you see is what you get and that there's an integrity there. Even what we read in Corinthians when Rick gave that and I kept reading and how they were commended to their consciences. Remember how the other day, how they were, what manner of men they were for your sake? You see that? All of a sudden it's easy to hear. All of a sudden there's, you're not on edge. All of a sudden there's this, man, if we start living and let our love be sincere without hypocrisy, we, we, we'd grow really fast in the church, wouldn't we? Because we're not on edge. We're not, there is Christian books on bookshelves that tell you how to build walls and set boundaries so your trust isn't broken and your heart's not hurt. It's just mind-boggling to me. That's self-preservation, self-protection. You're going to say, God's your rock and defense. No, you're trying to protect yourself. That means you're subject and vulnerable to be attacked and plundered. No, he's my rock and defense. How's he my rock and my defense? Because he's changed the eye I live from. He's changed my view on life. You have no ability to hurt. There, There is nothing. Come on, that's craziness. That's self-preservation. That's me protecting myself from your weakness, faults, and failures. I thought love is greater than that. Does God have himself edged in? Is he protecting himself from you and your fallacies and your weak moments so that his heart doesn't get broken? See, we're only doing that because we're basing it on past life and past experience. And we're not being renewed in the spirit of our mind. I'm ready to preach love now. <laughs> you got a comment? Question? Question? Thanks, man. We're get, you're getting your exercise today, buddy. See how thin we keep him, guys? Look at him. The reason he's so thin. No. <laughs> right here. <laughs> this may be a part of the love thing, so if you don't answer it now, that's fine. But I was talking to Rachel and Bobby, and you mentioned one of the other days about the covering for your children. I was wondering if that fits in love and just is that coming right from um, the father's love? Is that where we find how that fits? How like our responsibility is covering our children? Because that's a big deal to us that. Oh, we when can. I made the comment about when my kids were small yeah. Yeah, and, and et cetera, and about them not missing school and the whole nine yards, uh, whatever it was. You said one. something about um, there was a time where I kind of like left them out there, like you need to have your own faith, but I realized I'm their father. Yeah. And I have, I can Yeah, what I did was, yeah, that's good. That's a good comment. Yeah, you're, you're in a place, even in a marriage, if your spouse isn't on page, don't fall apart. And don't think that if they don't change, you can't walk in completeness and fullness. You have Christ. You have the Spirit of God. You know, well, yeah, but brother, I'm limited. They're my one flesh. And you get so analytical and intellectual, and a lot of the church will agree with you and that you have this great deficit until they're on board. Man, I wish we'd throw that stuff away. I understand you can have oneness. You can walk in synergism, etc. But you have Christ. It says the believing spouse sanctifies the unbelieving husband. Least the children be unclean. That means the righteousness that God places upon your life blows away any unrighteousness under the roof and that your children are even protected as you're walking in sanctity and holiness and love. 
Come on. Yeah, but he's into witchcraft. Yeah, but you're into Christ. Yeah, but he's reading smut stuff in the bedroom. Yeah, but you're in Christ. Why do we make what people are doing wrong greater than what Christ has done right in us? Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. And all of a sudden I can't have peace in my home because I believe what they're doing is greater than who Christ is in me. And all we're revealing is we have a lesser revelation than what's become real to us. A lesser revelation this way and this is bigger than this. That's all that's happening. And then natural wisdom once again ruling our life. See, my children are covered. So I would pray certain ways over my children, forgiving them and showing mercy. And God, thank you for the right to train them up and teach them. And as I got older, or they got older, I, was, I believed that they were more on their own because they had to acquire their own faith and stuff like that. And then I kind of left them come out under my covering in some areas. And I saw some things happen that I don't think had to necessarily happen, even physical stuff, different things. Uh, there's a place for me to keep them before God as a priest unto God. There's a place for me to believe for them. Watch this. Even if I know they're living out of line of the way I brought them up and something comes upon them, mercy still can step in there and they can be healed, fixed, restored. Because the goodness of God goes and sobers them to come back. Rather than, well, you're going to have to learn the hard way. You're the one that chose that path. Well, you're reaping what you've sown. Well, I told you over here's the way when you're ready, you know, hey, that's what we do. And mercy triumphs over judgment. Love covers a multitude of sin. Overcome evil with good. The goodness of God turns men's hearts. We forget all those scriptures when it's close to home. <laughs> okay? So you cover your children, you pray, you believe. You, you're a believing wife. Now, you have a believing husband. But even if you didn't, you're a believing wife. Thank God you have a believing husband. There's a synergism there. When husband and wife is on page in agreement and the beauty of unity and stuff, it's an amazing place. Hallelujah. Amazing place. Are you limited if they're not on page? If you believe so. If you believe so. There's some things that I've experienced in the Lord with my wife in agreement spiritually that I haven't on my own personally. That's where people say that you're limited. But I have total peace in my heart. I'm in the anointing of God. I know I'm loved. I'm walking in love. Whether she would be saved or not, I'm who I am in Christ. Now, if who she is in Christ adds to who I am in Christ, of course there's a synergism in two or becoming one. It's the highest picture of God, two, becoming one. Because two souls, two wills, two emotions, becoming one is a high place. That's, that's the expression of God. Or he'd have left Adam, Adam. But he reached into Adam, not made another lump of clay. He reached into Adam and brought forth. So they were already one in God, but he made them two from one. Because they were made in God's image. So there was nothing to make them not one. That's why it's not another lump of clay. Because they're in him. So everything about them is, is him. So there's not another lump of clay. He reaches into what's already full of God and the manifestation of God and brings forth the woman. So the woman came out of the fullness of God in the man. Right. 
And then together the two become one. Ah, that's powerful. I was better than BJ, what do you got going on, man? Yeah. Um, that's demonstrated perfectly in Job. But that's what God says about Job when he sets the whole story up. And he says Job is faithful and loving and he's perfect. And he says that Job makes sacrifices for his wife and children. Job is the faithful one in the household. And God says, I put a fence around his family because of Job's faithfulness. So, I mean, that's a perfect demonstration of what you're saying is as the faithful person in the house, you have to walk in that authority. There's a place for, there's a place for love that works apart from fear because of love. It's love. Because you're perfected in love. You can cover an unbelieving spouse. If you forgive the sins of any, they're forgiven. If you let your heart get hard, grace is hindered. Right? It's just amazing in your house. Which you, you can take authority in your house as a believer, even if you're a woman. Don't you be deceived because <laughs> you're in Christ. It's an authority shift. The believing spouse sanctifies an unbelieving spouse. At least the children would be unclean. So as you remain in faith and realize you are unlimited and unhindered, and it'd sure be nice if they'd be on board, but you know what? It is the way it is right now, and God, you're amazing, and thanks for loving us. And you don't miss a step. If you start feeling sorry for yourself, and it's been a long time now, but when are they ever going to change? Then it's just back to all about you, and you need them to be a certain way so you're okay. And then it's all about who? All about yourself, and it's not even love. It's not even loving your spouse. It's actually needing your spouse to be a certain way so you're okay. You see how we demean this beautiful thing called love and bring it into human reasoning, and then all of a sudden we have the permission to write books to defend and protect ourselves and build boundaries because we were so hurt in ministry and we're never gonna let that happen again? How about getting rid of the reason and foundation for being hurt? What are we doing hurt in ministry? Who are we ministering for, the kingdom or ourselves? If God's not a basket case, why are we? Probably because our motive, probably because our motive is a little different. And we cover it with spiritual language. Yeah, but I just want to see God save people. And I just want to, and they're always in the way. And they're stopping the hand of God. And God's heart is grieved. And that's why I feel the way I do. It's religious deception. I've seen intercessor after intercessor take that line upon themselves. Give themselves permission to be hurt by everything. And lose their joy of salvation because they're carrying this heavy burden that God never put on their shoulders. Romans 6. We good? All right? I know I throw some stuff out there. Just forgive me and love me. (laughs) For he who had died. Oh my. Verse 7 of Romans 6. For he who has died is what? What is he? Freed. Freed from sin. So you are not still a sinner. If you've died, you're free from sin. That doesn't mean you don't have the ability to miss the mark at times. That doesn't mean, but see, I don't talk about that much. You don't hear me because I'm not giving permission for the flesh. And I don't want you even thinking, well, what, are we perfect? When don't we ever going to sin? You are freed from sin. So he doesn't even want you asking that question. Just take on righteousness. Enjoy being righteous. Be a son and live for God. Don't think about sin. Don't think about the devil. Be a son and you'll be amazed what that looks like. It's not about trying not to sin ever again in your life. You're freed from sin. 
Who just saw you freed from sin? So our war is not trying not to sin. Our war is actually embracing and staying with an unveiled face, looking in the mirror, realizing we're sons, we're sons, we're daughters, we're daughters, we're, we're the children of God. That becomes your biggest battle. Just you're lovable. God is for you. He made you. You're the elect. You're his purpose. All that good stuff. Because life tries to steal that away and convince you otherwise. The devil is so afraid that you'll see this. Yes. <laughs> He's trying to tell you why it can't be true. And unfortunately, sometimes you can have 10, 10, 10 good, strong truths in front of you and one little whisper and you grab the whisper. Yeah, so, <sighs> so if you died... That's why we deny ourselves, pick up our cross and follow him. We're freed from sin. Now, if you don't die to yourself, selfishness is still there. Your conscience is still violated. You still have wrong motives. You still have manipulation. You're saying one thing, but motivated by another. That gets muddy. I'm not talking about perfection here. I'm talking about a pure heart. Dying, surrendering, getting alone with God. God, I'm not living for myself. Right now, I'm feeling, remember Rachel's question? There's a little frustration in my heart. In fact, it feels like a lot of frustration. And I'm telling you, it is not your will and it's not my created value. And you didn't make me for this. And alone with you in this room with nobody looking, I'm getting real. And it feels good to be able to be in contact with my heart and say, listen, I don't want that in my life. I want to see through your eyes. I want to love my children like you love me in the world. And I want to be the woman of God you made me to be. Be. and here I am God frustration has no part in me I will not accept it tolerate it make excuses for it I am a woman of God that's how you pray you can move see I feel that and I feel like Rachel now that was her prayer and I'm feeling it that was for you and I got down get down oh man that was serious that was fun I just came all over me I said good job why? Because it's a giving of yourself. That's this wedding thing Rick brought up, if you really think about it. What is covenant and communion? God, all that is mine is yours. And I see that all that is yours is mine. So in return, all that is mine is yours. Yes, I do. I receive you. And I give myself to you. Communion, the elements, can be like a wedding service. His body and his blood is speaking to you. I promise that by my stripes you are healed and I'll never leave you and forsake you. And the blood has spoken better things than able. You're in and never out. I'll never reject you. I'll bless you forever. It's all these covenant vows through these. I do. And Father, I give my life to you. And I vow and all of a sudden your heart exchanges back. It's like a wedding. Oh. We took communion of it. New Life for Girls one time, a long time ago. I said, this is just like a marriage. And I said, he doesn't want a girlfriend. He doesn't want to park in an alley and have an experience. Da, 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 da. And these girls are like, oh my God, preacher. And I, just, I said, he wants a wife. I said, he doesn't want a concubine that serves him relentlessly and then brushes against him now and then. He wants a wife. He wants a queen, and you're his queens. And they're all like, <laughs> I took off my ring. I said, we're going to have covenant exchange. We're going to marry him right now. And we did this thing, and oh, it was a mess. It was really good. You can take that truth and embrace it in your personal life and heart, right? And it can be your life in covenant with God. Why? Because we're freed from sin. If you don't get that out of the way, you won't have the confidence and conscience to do what I'm saying. 
But if we died, we believe we shall live, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. What's the death he died? He died to sin, verse 10, once for all. That the life he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you. This is a major, major verse. We hit it all hard. I'm just breezing over the best I can right now. Reckon yourself dead to sin, alive to God in Christ. So what are you? You reckon yourself. Consider yourself. See yourself dead to sin. It's huge. Therefore, you're not going to let sin reign in your mortal body. Why? You're not created for it, for its lust. You're not going to obey it. You're not going to come under the power of it. You are created for God's image and God's glory. The more you believe that, focus there, pray there, the dimmer and fainter the drive of the flesh becomes. The more you camp in this truth. You set your mind on this truth and it puts to death the dictates of flesh. Sometimes they shout and scream, it seems. Why? Because you've given them so much life. You've nurtured them yourself. You've actually yet fed them. And now all of a sudden you're saying, I'm changed. And they're saying, yeah, right. So you stay in this place and you put to death those things. Set your mind. Right? Look, do not present your members. Oh, my. Do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin. That doesn't just mean don't do the acts of sin. Watch this. Don't see yourself as an instrument of sin. Don't label yourself as sin waiting to happen. Don't wake up conscious of the ability to sin and fear it or whatever. Don't present yourself as an instrument for unrighteousness. You see it? Look, watch this. But present yourselves to God. I'm yours. You love me. You've received me. I'm elect. I'm holy. I'm beloved. I'm blameless. I'm above reproach. Right? Watch. Present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead. Do you hear that's prayer? Do you hear that's communion? Father, I was dead, but I'm alive now. Father, you've raised me from the dead. I am alive, and your spirit's in me. Your image is working in me effectually, and you are stripping me from every weakness, every flaw, every false mode of the light in my life is delivering me from the power of darkness. I have been made free. Yay, and you're just growing in this place. You read something like this, and, and we're going to get into meditating on the word and communing with God probably this whole coming week, but, but watch this. You present yourself alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. I, would, I remember walking in my bedroom. I was weeks old, the Lord. I'm a tree. I was reading Isaiah. Somehow I got on Isaiah and it said I was a tree. The righteousness, you know, a tree of righteousness, the planting of the Lord. I said, I, I was I just, I, like a child, like a kid. I took it face value. I started walking in my bedroom with my boss. I'm a tree. I'm a tree. A tree of righteousness. And you planted me. You nurtured me. You fertilized me. You raised me up. And the fruit of who you are is hanging all over me. I am ripe for the picking. There's people that need love and can come to me and eat and be satisfied. There's people that need mercy. And I would pray that out. I would walk my bedroom and get so flipped out just believing that. And then I'd go to work and see my coworkers just like God saw them. And they're mocking and persecuting and not understanding. And, da -da 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 -da. and I would realize they don't understand. They're just mocking and scuffing what they don't understand. Oh, bless their hearts. And all of a sudden, I couldn't get angry anymore. All of a sudden, I realized I wasn't insecure. All of a sudden, I realized it doesn't even matter what they say because of what I know. Yes. <laughs> oh, it was so fun. 
Why? Because every day, presenting myself, presenting myself. See, that's what people, see, you can call this, you can say, oh, Dan, you've been touched by a sovereign touch of grace. Well, I've been touched by grace, but I've sought the Lord. I've sought the Lord. I've believed what he said about me, open-faced and unveiled, unreservedly. I've been alone with him, thanking him that he made me this precious to him. That's what I found a lot of folks haven't done. They've just read their Bible or sat under preaching and then go, oh boy, I got my work cut out for me now. And then they try to be a better Christian and soon after settle into a mode of whatever. <laughs> going, going out into the woods. I remember taking... Man, when I first got saved, uh, tapes were still in, you know. 16 years ago, tapes were still. I'd take my little tape player and I'd walk right out into the woods. I remember setting a blanket up at the water company and just worshiping Jesus in the woods. So I wouldn't, I'd only take a blanket when I took my wife and kids, but I'd just go sit on a log somewhere and I'd just turn that thing up. I remember going to Montana and getting up before daylight and making sure in the mornings I was on the top of mountains as the sun was coming up. I would just be shouting and screaming out over the mountain, Jesus, the worshiping and just having a ball. Countless, 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 countless times like that. I was on a mountain one day. I got the impression somebody was right there. Did you ever get that? I'm I'm on a high mountain full of rocks and it's overlooking the whole city of Helena. I get this impression, I turn, there's a lady standing there watching me worship Jesus at daybreak on the mountain. And I looked at her and here it was a lady I asked directions in the city of how to get somewhere the day before. Wow. The same lady. Wow. And I thought, I know this lady. I said, I said, oh, I said, hello, good morning. And she said, she came over, she said, I was over on the other side. I heard this noise, I heard singing. Honestly, I thought I was hearing angels. I thought it was angels. <laughs> I got drawn over here, I had to come and see. I said, well, probably is angels around. She said, I'm just here worshiping Jesus. I said, why are you up on this mountain this early in the morning? I said, hey, I know you. You, Oh my gosh, yeah. I pulled up in the car. I said, how do you do? You, you're the lady. Why are you on this mountain? I came here this morning. I felt impressed to come up on these rocks high to a high place in the morning early because my heart is so hungry to know who God is and I felt like I was being compelled to come here that if I came here, I'd find out who God is. (laughs) (laughs) Guess where I'm sitting at daybreak? So the Lord must have confidence that I'm a good representative of who He is. Because he said, I'll tell you what, you go here and if you go here, he'll go there and if you meet him, you'll know me. <laughs> it's too fun. <laughs> so I said, Oh my goodness, honey, this is amazing because this is what happened to me this morning. I get up, and the Lord told me to get up on this mountain this morning and be up here by daylight. And I just figured it was to come to worship Him, but it was so we could meet and talk. I want to talk with you. And she said, that. She cried, got saved. We prayed. She never heard a message so beautiful. And she finally understood. You know, a lot of people have a a hardness towards the Christian church because they've been touched so wrong with the message. They don't even understand. We've so misappropriated and misrepresented the message. 
you know, from turn or burn to whatever. I shared with her the love that sent Jesus Christ and her value and her identity and everything I'm preaching you in this school. And I watched miracle grow, pour into her spirit. Come on. <laughs> Isn't that cool? Yeah. That you'd ask directions from one lady in a city and have that little contact just for a moment and she tells you, oh, thanks, hon. God bless you. The next morning you're on a mountain worshiping Jesus. She's standing behind you on a rock. Doesn't even know why she's on the mountain. She just felt compelled to come up in her search for God. So, see, if you're getting up in the morning presenting yourself as something less than a son, you're probably not equipped and ready or even hearing all that good stuff. Because you're still fighting a battle. He already won. Oh, come on. Because sin's not going to have dominion over you. Why? Well, you're not under the law. Now, I'll be honest with you, what he's talking here is that even if you find yourself slipping up or messing up or backtracking into a moment of weakness or an expression of flesh, it's not the end of the world. Don't you curl up and die. Your heart's sincere and pure. You're not looking for a way to sin and get away with it. It's grace. You you have grace. Your heart's been changed, and God can work with that. Now, he addresses the people that aren't sincere, maybe, or the people that'll use this gospel as an advantage for the flesh. And he says, what then? Shall we sin because we're not under the law but grace? Of course not. It's never again about sin. Do you not know? This is powerful, guys. This is the rest of six that we didn't cover yesterday. I'm trying to get it done. I'm scared to look at my watch. Oh, we're going to get it done. We really are. Do you not know that to whom? Do you not know? It's a question. Don't you know this? Guys, do you know this? Don't you know that to whom you present yourself a slave to obey? You're that one slave whom you obey? Whether it's sin leading to death or obedience leading to righteousness. But you're going to be someone's slave. You're going to be tied to something here. And it's called your belief system. Do you see that? But God be thanked that though you were a slave to sin, what were you? Slave to sin, you were. (laughs) You hear the language? Do you see this isn't heresy? It's in the Bible. Though you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart. That's the key. That form of doctrine to which you were delivered. Now, here's the unfortunate thing from Paul's day when this was written to our day. This doctrine hasn't been delivered to everyone. Has it? Look at verse 18. Here's this phrase again. And having been set... So, if we're in denial over the sin thing and we're not facing the reality, God must be having issues too because he seems pretty intent to be telling us we're free. (laughs) He's saying, and having been set free from sin, you became a slave of... (laughs) Look that up. Look that language up. That'll have fun. Just throw away the key. I'm chained and tied to righteousness to be its prisoner and serve it the rest of my life. So forever till the end of time, whatever that means, Jesus will be in position to be my redeemer, the lamb slain, and I'm a son forgiven for eternity. Never change his mind. A million years from now, he's not going to blow a whistle and stop heaven's party and say, wait a minute, is there a damn molar in the crowd? 
Look, I was reviewing some records and there's some things I missed and I'm not sure how you got here. If I'd have solved these things, I probably wouldn't have let you in. You're gonna have to go now. No, you're in. You're loved, you're forgiven, you're redeemed. Here's no turning or shifting of shadow. Isn't that amazing? But God be thanked. Having been set free from sin, you're a slave to righteousness. Now look, I'm speaking in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. He's meeting them right where they're at. And he's saying, I'm going to put this on a level where you can embrace this and see the beauty and power of it. Watch this. For just as you presented your members as a slave to uncleanness and of lawlessness, leading to what? More lawlessness. So now present your members. So now you're to present your members what? As a slave unto righteousness. And what's its purpose? For holiness. So I present myself as a member of righteousness leading to holiness. Do you see the instruction here? What fruit did you guys have? What fruit did I have? Man, I told you some twisted motives I had. Man, it was ugly, wasn't it? Hannah's looking at me like, no. I said, Hannah, if you'd have known these things, you would never let me hug you. But see, she knows I've changed. She ran up and gave me the biggest hug today. The best. She gives the best hug because it's from her heart. She did. She gave me a big squeeze. But I remember looking at her laughing and saying, man, if you didn't do this stuff, you wouldn't even want me to hug you. Think about it. When you tell a testimony of how you used to be and people go, I can't even imagine that. That's the whole idea. Yeah. <laughs> it's transformation of life. When I start saying I was this and I did this and I thought this and I did this, people get weirded out a little. They're like, it's all to the glory of God. It's the transformation of life. You want people to say, oh, I can't even imagine that. Well, good. Because that's the man that was and he died. Yeah. And this is the man that's now a slave to serve righteousness all the days of his life. Do you get it? Yes. Oh. So what fruit did we have in the things in which we're now what? Ashamed. So those things came to us and we realized that at some point that, wow, that was so not God. So it doesn't mean we're living under a yoke of shame now. It means that when we look back on those things, there's no life there. There's nothing there for us. There's no, nothing there. We're actually, we, I just had a talk with a young lady on the break. It's the feeling of, it's, it's, it feels like regret. It's like, why did I have to, ew, yuck. Well, thank God I'm changing. I see that for what it is now and I'm cleaning that, right? Because we see it for what it was. But now, here we are. Oh my goodness, he's gonna say, say this. But now, yeah, having been set free from sin, so we were set free, oh my goodness, back in verse seven. We're set free in 18. Ah, we're set free in 22. I wonder if we're free. I wonder if all the mouths of two or more every word's confirmed and established. I, yeah. But now having been set free from sin, you became slaves of God. You have your fruit to holiness. Some lady came to me once and said, I don't like that scripture. She said, I don't like feeling myself like a slave to God. That feels like bondage and bondagement. And I said, honey, you're missing the whole connotation. What it means is you've been captured to think nothing else. <laughs> <laughs> you, 
You have been captured and seized to think nothing else. There is no other option. There's no other alternative. It's the truth. It's so beautiful. So now having been set free from sin, you become a slave to God and you have your fruit. You have your fruit to holiness. And the end, everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God, eternal life. Through Jesus the Lord. Now he just said how many times you're freed from sin. So now he goes into Romans 7 and teaches, or do you not know, brother? And he teaches, man, living under the law, living by... For I speak to those who know the law, that the law has dominion over a man as long as he lives. For the woman has a husband, shares in marriage, talks about dying here, not being free till there's a death. He's talking about dying to the law, to the, to the old way, to your own ingenuity, your own strength, your own ability. There's a whole lot involved here. And that the law was actually used by God in a very holy and awesome way. That the law was spiritual in the fact that it tutored me to Christ. It, it identified sin. And before the law, I was free in regard to sin. But when the law came, I realized I had fallen short from the nature of God. You get it? So he's going down through here. Now we've been delivered from the law, having died to what we were held to, that we should serve in the newness of one of the spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? Certainly not. On the contrary, I would not have known sin except for the law. So the law revealed, it actually revealed sin showed me the fall of my nature. It showed me my need for Christ. It tutored me to a Savior. You get it? You follow me? Sin taking opportunity by the commandment produced in me all manner of evil desire. And apart from the law, sin was dead. But I was alive once without the law. But when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. So there, the, the, the law, is, is, it's, it's actually an amazing thing. But the key is that you receive grace through Jesus Christ and you die to that which tutored you to him now that he came. You follow me? So he goes on and he, he describes that the law can't save you from sin. He says, therefore the law is holy and the commandment is holy and just and good. Why? Because it's bringing things into the light. The law actually marked us for who we really were. There's no place for denial when you look through the law. When you hold up the Ten Commandments, there's no way to get around the fact that we are way short from the standard of God. True? Okay. Has then what is good become death to me? Certainly not. But sin, it's sin. It's sin. So it's not the law. The law's not, oh my God, the law. No, the law's exposing what's killing me. The law's exposing what's killing me. What's killing me? Is it the law or sin? It's sin. So, see, Paul goes and describes then that process, because we've all lived in this, that it might appear sin producing, was producing death in me through what was good, so that sin through the commandment might become exceedingly sinful. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. So here's the law. It's spiritual. I'm carnal, sold under sin. Paul is not talking about the man he just wrote about in Romans 6. The man he just wrote about is the man that's freed from sin. He's not carnal and sold to sin. This is the man before this revelation. 
He's, he's, he's making an example here. He's saying, let me break this down for you and show you what the law did. The law's a good thing. You don't live by it anymore. You live by grace. But the law made sin exceedingly sinful and revealed that I was a carnal man sold to sin, born into Adam, and I had a need to be born again. Paul's not talking all this righteousness and freedom and John writing these things so we do not sin and then turning around and saying, look, this is our dilemma though. We still got sin living in us and sins in us and we're going to be carnal. We're always going to sin, guys. (gasps) He couldn't be farther from what he's saying. Watch this. For we know that it's spirits carnal. For I am what I am doing, I don't understand. For what I will to do, that I don't practice. And what I hate, that I do. Who knows that we all got into that place in the process of repentance and getting saved. We got to a place where our consciences got real and said, you know what, there's a lot of things working in me <laughs> that aren't God. And even the ones that I don't want still come and I end up doing them. And the, who knows that we've been through that? All of us at some level have experienced that. True? But he's not saying that's who you are and are always going to be. He just told you in Romans 6, you are freed from sin. You present your members unto righteousness. He's not turning around in hypocrisy and saying, I'm carnal. He's spiritual. (laughs) And he's free. He's not carnal. He's talking about under the law. He introduces this whole chapter talking about something has to die so it lives. Right? So you're dying to the old. So the law of the spirit of life through Christ has made me free from this law that he's now talking about. Because that's chapter 8, which it's all one big letter. See how progressive and awesome this is? It's because some people read this and it says, but it's no longer verse 17, uh, I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. And people say, see, sin's still in us. They take that right there, out of context, out of, if you read Romans 5, 6, 7, 8, you couldn't possibly misinterpret this. But I've heard preachers, I've actually, I could name some that you would know that say, well, we have to face the fact that Romans 7 says sin is still in us. Well, that's pretty blasphemous then. God's pretty mixed up because he just told me I'm free from it. But he didn't really mean that. Yeah, that's, that's what you have to reduce it to then. Well, then he didn't really mean that. No, I'm free. He said it how many times in that one chapter? Four. Four. It's in 8-2. It's actually a lot of places. Wrecking yourself dead to sin is a big deal. So if you reckon yourself dead to sin, are you carnal, sold under sin? No, you're reckoned dead to sin. He's taking you out of that and into Him. Right? <laughs> For the good that I will to do, I don't do, and the evil I do, 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 do. This is a man sold under sin. I've heard Christian after Christian get trapped in sin and say, well, you know, Paul, I mean, the things he wanted to do, he didn't, couldn't do either. Right. Not <laughs> I'm not perfect. Paul had the same dilemma. And then all of a sudden, we use grace as an occasion for sin. Scary thing. Hold off a minute, just a minute. Watch this. I find then a law that, is, that, is, that evil is present with me. So the law is to expose that, wow, evil is present with me. I'm born into Adam. I'm sold under sin. I have a taskmaster. I'm driven in life. Life is driving me. 
what it means. That's, we need to come to that understanding. But one who wills to do good, down in my heart, I could do good, maybe I would want to do good, there's some things I'd want to, but all of a sudden I find myself doing other things, driven, captive, puppeteered, a slave, in bondage. True? The, land, the children of Israel in the land of Egypt, they were in bondage. They were, they were serving the will of another. They were in the muck and mire, laboring every day, their own sweat, their own energy, to build another's kingdom. We're created in the image of God for God's glory and sold under sin, building the kingdom of unrighteousness when we're called to be spiritual house stone upon stone. See the, see the connection? So we come out of the land of bondage into the promised land. New master. <laughs> he delivered me out of the muck and mire. I'm no more making bricks for Pharaoh's monuments. <laughs> In fact, now I'm empowered to tear them things down that we all built. <laughs> you get it? <laughs> That's the raw, raw side of it. <laughs> For I delight in the law of God according to the inward man. In other words, God, I thank you that you illuminated me. And the law reveals my, my state. I, man, if I didn't have that sense of knowing what's right, I'd be blind, deceived, and like a brute beast, I'd walk into destruction. Right? So I rejoice in that. But I see another law, it's working in my members, warring against the law of my mind and my good, good desire, and it's bringing me into captivity. It's the law of sin. So this is all happening through looking at God's law and realizing I need help. I need a savior. I'm powerless to walk in love, powerless to walk in the image of God, powerless to fulfill the statutes of God. Right? Isn't that what he's saying? Now look. Oh, wretched man that I am. This is what happened to me in 95 at work. June 9th of 95. You're so pitiful. Your life is pitiful. You're so selfish. You're so full of hypocrisy. You hurt everybody you say you love. You don't, you don't care about anybody but yourself. And you don't even like yourself. Remember Baldwin saying that. You want everybody to love you and you don't even like you. I'm so pitiful. I said it. I said it ten times. I'm so pitiful. My life is so pitiful. I said it ten times. Oh, it was a good day. <laughs> oh, wretched man that I am. Who's going to save me from this place? See what I was doing? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Who will deliver me? What hope is there for me? Wretched man! No longer can deny the wicked, twisted motive of my heart. I thank God through Jesus Christ. Our Lord. Watch. So then with my mind, I myself serve the Lord. This is what stumbles people. Some people don't understand because they don't. They stop reading as if it's a chapter. With my mind, I myself serve the law of God. But with the flesh, the law of Sin. So they say, see, sin's still in me because with the flesh I'm damned to serve it. That's what they say. I've heard people preach it from the pulpit. Because they forget this is one big letter and they don't say, therefore. Therefore. There's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Why? Because we don't walk according to the 
So we don't serve sin. We live by the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life through Christ has made me free. There I am again, free. So am I carnal, sold under sin, or am I free? Ha <laughs> ha. For what the law could not do, because it was weak through the flesh, meaning our flesh, you're in my flesh. God did by sending his own son in the likeness of our own flesh on account of sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. He cursed and crushed what was killing us and rendered it voiceless, powerless, and remembers it no more. Took it away. Man, that's so good. And watch. That the righteous requirement of the law would be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So now I'm not in works going to try to live up to a standard. I've been called to a standard. I already passed. I already have an A+. I'm already in. I'm already His. So from the place of being His, I begin to live my life as a son. And God grows me up into Him in all things. Watch this. For those who live according to the flesh set their mind on the things of the flesh. But those who live according... So if you set your mind on the things of the flesh, what are you going to bump into immediately? Sin, right? But if you set your mind on the things of the Spirit and present your members unto, unto righteousness for holiness, what are you going to bump into? The fruit of righteousness, right? For to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is... If you didn't run the risk of and couldn't possibly live carnally minded, he wouldn't write this. You set your mind on things about. The devil would love to keep you carnally minded as a Christian that sees a need for a savior, but stay carnally driven, carnally minded. Sell yourself cheap and short, even though the kingdom is here. You follow me? To be carnally minded is death. If you couldn't walk carnally minded, why is he addressing it? To be spiritually minded is life and peace because the carnal mind is enmity against God and it is not subject to the law of God for indeed it cannot be. That's amazing. Jesus says you're either for me or you're against me. Who knows? You can see your need for a savior and have a mindset that's moved by things that are against him and his kingdom. Who knows? You could be a member of a body of Christ and have a lack of understanding and actually live as if you're against him even though you're crying out to him because of a lack of understanding. It doesn't make you evil and wicked. It just means you don't understand. So then, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. What's that mean? It's impossible to please God without faith. So if you don't see by faith what He's accomplished through Christ, you'll remain in the flesh. And even though you'll sing the right songs and be in the right atmosphere, you won't believe the right things and manifest the fruit of His finished work. Come on. This thing is clear. I'll get you. But look at this. So if you're in the flesh, you cannot please God. And look what he says to you, though. Oh, this is a... But you are not in the flesh. You're not in the flesh! He's, he's, so if anybody's even thinking, he's saying, you're not! <laughs> but you're in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. That means it's appointed once for every man to die, and we're going to get a brand new, never touched by sin, no memory of sin, no even fight. That thing is just crushed. It's a brand new, incorruptible, immortal, yay. You see what I mean? 
Yeah. But if the same Spirit, the Spirit of Him who raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your what? Mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. So therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, but to live according, or to live according to the, uh, the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you die. So he's amplifying this again. Therefore, we are debtors, not to the flesh. You are not damned and called. It's not your lot in life to be bound to the flesh, is what he's saying. <sighs> but to live, accord, or to live according to the uh, flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if you live by the Spirit, you put to death the deeds of the body, and you live. For as many, so do you see this? To live by the Spirit, a righteous consciousness, a sonship identity, presenting my members unto God for holiness. In obedience, leading to righteousness. All of a sudden, the deeds of the flesh die. Sin and its actions die. Sin and its voice and temptation die. I put to death the members of my flesh by standing as a son. I'm camping all this time on this because it's that important. Look how much time God took to write all this language about it. How many chapters have we covered? How many scriptures have we covered for two weeks? How many? Uh, it's, it's all over. For, and then look how we'll still say, yeah, but brother, we're always going to miss the mark. Man, don't let that stuff come out of your mouth. I, I hear people say that after you're preaching like this and people still say, yeah, but we're still always going to miss it. We've got to face reality. We ain't perfect, brother. And they're missing the whole thing. That is a language that comes, I'm telling you, it comes from hell. To rob you from walking in the fruit of what this is declaring. Because here's what it does then. By no faith, you limit the grace, the ability of God to transform your life. See, when you talk and think like that, you're stopping grace that's here. What's it mean to receive the abundance of grace? To open yourself up to what's possible through the finished work of Christ and don't limit God based on your own former experience, but let God be God by you yielding to Him and letting Him have His way. So you're the clay, He's the potter. The only thing clay can do is yield to the master potterful hand, potter's masterful hand. The potter's the one that has the image. He's the one that has the skill. The potter's the one that has the vision. The potter's the one that has the talent and the gift. The clay just yields to the pressure and the masterpiece, if that's a word, of the potter's hand. Right? Expertise, masterfulness, whatever. It's just, it's, so if the clay, so if the clay's yieldable, it's in the right place. Man, there's clay, it's too brittle. There's clay it doesn't have, it's not wet. He has to water it down, sit it on the shelf. It's not ready to yield. Yeah, but, yeah, but I don't know how God can love me. Yeah, but it's dry, it's brittle. You gotta wet it down. Get it to the place where he can mold it till it finally just, yeah. You get it? Yeah, we're getting it. <clears throat> For as many as are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. You did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. That means you can live free from fear. <laughs> the Bible says that, not me. But you receive the spirit of adoption by which we cry out, You're my daddy. <laughs> oh, come on. So good. And the Spirit Himself bears witness. So as you, by faith, start crying out, You're my daddy, guess what Holy Spirit does? 
That's what happens. And the spirit himself bears witness to our spirit. We are the yeah, 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 yeah. And if children were heirs, listen to this. You find a limit for me. If children heirs, if heirs of God, then join heirs with Christ. And if deed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. So what are we lacking from his end? Absolutely nothing. Fear not, little flock. It's the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Why do you have to stick suffering in there? Because you're in the world and not of it. And adversity comes. And you're in a crooked and perverse generation. And there's things going against the grain of truth every day of your life. And you're called to shine in the midst of all that twist. So the suffering is actually what gives you the great privilege, those situations, to manifest this great truth and shine as a sun so the world can see and know. Or it just becomes about you and what you're going through and how you feel and don't feel and then you reveal that you're not walking in this place and it's still just about you and you succumb to what you call suffering. You get it? That is, that's the big one right there. That's the one the devil plays with all the time because he doesn't believe you love God. The devil believes you need God. The devil doesn't believe you love God. Because to love God means you don't take account of suffer wrongs. You'll never judge God. You're not mad at God. He is righteous and right in all his ways. You love God. It's to give yourself completely to him and surrender. You love God. Love it seek, doesn't seek its own, takes no account of a suffered wrong, all that stuff. Nope, the devil believes you don't love God. He, he doesn't believe there's one man that loves, his, that loves God more than he loves his own life. He believes every man loves his own life more than he loves God, that he just needs God and incorporates God into his situations for help. That's what he believes. You can find that in the book of Job too. You stretch forth your hand and you take away the things you blessed him with, you'll see he'll curse you to your face just like every other man. And what he's saying, because people don't love you, they need you. And the only reason he's blessing you is because you blessed him. And if it's going good for him, then he'll give it back your way. But you let that change and you'll see how quick he changes because people don't love you, God. They're all like me. You watched him eat the tree. You watched him take on my nature. You watched him die inside and fall from your image. They all look like me. Take a close look. Nobody loves. That's what the devil's saying to God. Don't you make him right on your account. See, the trouble is, in a lot of cases, what he's saying is exactly right. But the just shall live by faith, and you repent, and you give your life to Jesus, and you deny yourself, and you pick up your cross. Because everything that we got through the fall was inherited by default and sin and deception. So all Jesus is asking you to give back to him is what you never were in the first place. You follow me? Oh yeah. I, I, Linda, do you still have your hand up? Or? Well, if you don't know, that's fine. You don't have to. It's, if, 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 we can talk right after the class. Come up to me. Rick. Um, on room, and I hate to go back to Romans six, but uh, I, I was meditating. I might read it yet when, today. I was meditating <laughs> one one day. I was meditating on 
uh, being alive unto God. And the Spirit of God took me back to Enoch, who did not have a covenant. It doesn't even say whether he even heard the voice of God, and the law wasn't there yet, and he walked with God. How much more, the Spirit of God said, should we be able to walk like Enoch? We have a covenant. He didn't even have an understanding of righteousness. He just walked with God, and he was not. Awesome. And the whole world was corrupt and going another way, and here's a guy walking with God, and he was no more. It, it's like, you know, we get caught up on that, like translation and all that stuff, but there's a great analogy and a, a shadowing and a pointing to the new covenant, being in the world and not of the world. See, you can walk with God when everybody else is thinking something else. You have that privilege. Enoch did it under the conditions Rick just described. Surely now that we have the knowledge of the finished work of Christ, the resurrection power of the Holy Spirit in us, of course we can follow after God. Amen? Amen. It's just true. So good, good, good day, good week in class, I hope. I just think. I feel happy. I feel about almost saved. I'm getting there. <laughs> so why don't we stand to our feet and thank God he's good. Can we do that? Take time to begin to just love him. Take these truths, meditate on them. Day and night, the Bible says. We're going to get on meditating the word a little bit in class, communing, walking in love. Father, we just, man, can you lift your hands to, to him right now and just yield, just yield to him? That's all that means. You just honor him. You're yielding to him. Some people say it's like a little child saying, Daddy, pick me up. But, but in, in this sense, just right now, just yield to him. I yield to you. I surrender. I'm just, it's, a, a, it's a posture of humility. I'm just saying your way is right and righteous and you are illuminating my eyes. You have changed my life and you are making me just like you. I want to be found in your image and I thank you. I'm not lacking any good thing. I'm not fault finding. I'm not nitpicking with my life. I'm rejoicing in the truth that's come. I am a child of God and you're working in me for your good pleasure and you're making all things brand new. Thank you, thank you, thank you for your faithful love in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Bless you guys. Have an amazing weekend. Great time. See you. See you.